Yeah, this one goes out to all the teachers that said I wasn't going to grow up to be anything. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. What's up, everybody? You guys, thank you. Welcome back, or welcome for your first time. I am your host, Ryan, and I am, uh, I'm really excited about this little podcast here. You guys are probably going to first hear it and look at it and think, why am I doing all of these poker podcasts? Like, is this are these poker players and um like is this gearing to be like a all poker podcast kind of direction that that i'm going to be taking the direction of this podcast no not where i'm going i uh i just find poker players are just absolutely fascinating right like professional poker players everybody's play everybody plays poker come on your grandma plays poker um, there's tradition, um, you know, my house growing up, we'd play for chores. Uh, so I, I think, I think it's very American and very, uh, something that everybody can wrap their head around is poker. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, these professional poker players, I think are really fun to talk to because that's the, the life that they've chosen. That's their profession. You know, they're not waking up every single day, clocking in and out for some boss waking up when when they have to wake up to get there they can just wake up you know it's just a completely different different lifestyle and it's just fascinating and one that is uh just an intriguing lifestyle for, i think many people you know i fell into that trap way back when everybody else did back when it was on espn and moneymaker you know made that huge run and boom boom that guy changed poker in the world Chris Moneymaker changed poker eh, everybody knows that uh, so yeah there's a time where I was like ooh I could be uh, you know all I need is my right break one way or this way because you, know, you gotta get lucky yeah, you gotta be good whatever I wasn't good enough regardless that lifestyle is pretty cool that lifestyle of just being your own boss really is that what it boils down to being your own boss and, and uh, doing what you're passionate about I think that's uh that's kind of like a common theme I've been seeing in this podcast that's been really uh kind of unexpected. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this podcast. Um like I knew what I wanted to do and I had a very short-sighted uh still I guess kind of a short-sighted look at the future, maybe not short-sighted, short-term looks Hmm. I don't know. This is just me going off the top of my head. I wonder if people... I don't edit. You guys know I don't edit. I just fly off the top of my head. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. I don't know. I don't... So what I was saying about, you know... I had a few like a few guests in mind when I was going to start this podcast. Oh, I've got a few ideas. This is what I want it to be. Obviously, I'm a, a a big, you know, I'm influenced heavily by Joe Rogan, and uh, like I like that style. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a couple of just random people that I think are interesting, and then it sounds good on paper way back in the beginning when you start, and then really in your head you have like four or five people. You're like, I've got this dude, I know that guy, I guess this guy has something interesting. You start thinking, 
but you just go with it, you know? And then like, and then some of them you're like, they won't even want to do it or anyways, point is here I am on, I don't know, 15, 14, however many episodes this is. And it's just like, it's been really cool to see who wants to be on it. Like who's receptive to being, to being my guest and to being putting it out there and just joining something that they don't know anything about. Carlos, my guest today, had no idea who I was. Uh, I knew him. Uh, I knew of him uh, from listening to podcasts. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of poker podcasts, and he was a guest on there. And this was like a, man, two, three years, eh, two, three years ago or so, maybe longer. Uh, and I just heard about this guy that just gave up his job as being a t- full-time teacher to live out of a minivan and play poker, just give it all up. And I, I, I've you know heard about him years ago. And it, it came. I, I just was randomly thinking of guests. So I'm constantly thinking of who am I going to get on the podcast next? I got I got different ideas, you know. And he was one of them. And so I just uh, he just popped in my head. I was like, ooh, I bet he would do it. I mean, I've, I've He's Twitch streams, and I used to uh, I, I pop in there every now and then. First one, he was doing it a lot heavy. I get into this to a podcast. I shouldn't ruin this. I don't know what you guys think of these intros. I don't know if you guys are going to like them or not like them. Let me know. They're brand new, obviously. This is my second one. I'm running on like ooh, four hours of sleep in the last 36 hours, something like that. Where was I? Uh, and yeah, so... I wanted to get him on the podcast because uh, I thought it was in, you know, he had an interesting story. Here it goes. Man, I totally <laughs> derailed myself. And if you just go back 15 or 30 seconds, I could get back on track, but I can't. And I'm not going to edit. I'm doing this thing live. Shoot. Shoot. People want the realness like this, or do you guys want this edited? Yeah, like I said, I'm new at this. I don't know if you guys are gonna like the edit, uh, the introductions of the pregame introduction. Anyways, we didn't only just talk about poker. Uh, I know that's where I was going at the beginning. Is you guys probably think I'm just focusing on poker because I talk to poker players, but I think if you guys realize, I hardly talk poker at all. I really try not to. I'm I'm more interested in the lifestyle and of these people. Car- oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, we're getting back on track. Carlos was a super nice guy. He just, I just randomly out of the blue said, Hey man, I've been in your Twitch stream way back when you started. You might recognize my name. Uh, I have a podcast. Would you like to be on it? And you know, in his DMs and he was like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And we just started corresponding. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know what my podcast was about. Nothing. And then, uh, and he didn't even know it was a video podcast because uh, you guys know I do this on YouTube as well. Um, and so like, he didn't even have his camera on or anything. He was like, Oh, can we just do this without the camera? I was like, Oh, I was like, it'd be a lot better if you had it on, but if you don't, it's cool. I don't want to make you, you know, I don't want to pressure you. I didn't know if he was like, I didn't know what his, his situation was. If he had just woken up and doesn't feel like he looks good. You know, I've wake up sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to be on camera right now. I didn't prepare for this. I ain't got my hair did. I ain't groomed. I ain't looking purdy. If I'm going to be on camera, I need to look decent, right? Halfway decent, I don't know. 
Uh, and yeah, so, but then, yeah, I was just, you'll see in the beginning. Uh, without any further ado and nonsense rambling by my, uh, silly ass. Here we go. Eight minutes and 13 seconds of my rambling. Maybe I should edit it and go to the very beginning and just say, hey, fast forward until you're nine minutes in. You guys, here it is. Boom, Sherlock, boom. Thank you for listening. You guys are the best. Oh, 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 one more thing. If you've made it this long, if you've made it eight and a half minutes in, please, please uh, subscribe wherever I, wherever you can find me. Uh, podcast apps, Neanderthal podcast on YouTube. Just please subscribe. I'm also on uh, available to rate and review on iTunes. That would be pretty dope. Nobody's done that yet. Be my first. Here we go. Carlos Welch, the homeless poker player. There we go. Holla at your boy. I'm excited to have you. You have no idea who I am, Carlos. You have no idea who I am. <laughs> I'm nobody, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this podcast with me. I, uh, you're, probably, you're probably wondering who the heck am I and why did I even want you on my podcast, huh? Um, from what you told me, you were rural route from my Twitch stream. Right. But, yeah, that's all I know. That's all you know. I'm just an internet name to you. <laughs> right. Uh, so I will tell you a little bit. I um, So I, I was an online poker player since, you know, way back in the day, pre-Black Friday. And I still dabble a little bit now and then. And I used to, uh, I used to re- listen to a ton of different podcasts, poker podcasts. And you were on, I think you were on one of the TPE ones, like a few years ago, like before you made like your first trip out to Vegas to do the world series? No, um, I was in Vegas the first time I was on TPE live. So it was that same, it was that same year. Actually, you know what? That I first went out in 2011 for like 10 days, but I didn't meet anybody. And then I went back out in 2013 and that's when I met all the TPE guys. And that was the first time I was on that podcast. Okay, I think so, that's yeah. what, yeah. So, yeah, I did it from Vegas. Yeah, that was awesome, and that was just such a cool introduction. And you didn't play any of the World Series events, but you went out there, and, like, I, well, you the story that I'm remembering, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went on, like, Craigslist and got some kind of just bed to stay in for the week and just to play some of, like, the smaller events, like the non-WSOP events. Yeah, Um. so that first year, I just went and played the um, – single table satellites, the sit and goes. And um, the 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 uh, place I stayed, I called it the crazy Brazilian lady. That's right, that's I, right. Yeah, because I rented a room from this, lady's, this uh, lady on Craigslist for like way cheaper than most people um, stay in Vegas for. So um, yeah, I wanna say it was, I think it was like 350. Uh, for the month or something. Oh wow, the whole month. Yeah. 
what is that situation like? Like you just show up whenever you come and go as you please, or were there like different rules? I mean, just some chick off of. Yeah, just come and go as you please. Is 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 like. I don't know if it was before Airbnb was a thing, but it was definitely before I knew what Airbnb was, and it was basically like Airbnb. Was this like a legit? I mean, I, you're getting it off Craigslist, so it's. Was there like a little bit of sketch factor to it? The lady was crazy. I mean, so that was a sketchy thing. I didn't know if I was gonna wake up with one of my kidneys missing. Like, but what are we talking about? Crazy? You just say crazy, and just that's it. Like, how? Like, how? What made her crazy? What was like a good example or something? Well, she talked a lot. She had crazy stories. Probably the biggest one was how she was in love with Kenny Rogers, <laughs> and she thought she had. The way she tells the story is that she was at one of the local casinos with a group of her friends and Kenny Rogers was there and he saw her and told her to wait for him. He had to go do something and he was going to come back. But then her friends are like, look, we got to go. So she was kind of like torn between who she refers to as Ken and her friends and she finally went with her friends and she never saw Kenny Rogers again. And in her mind, that was her chance to marry Kenny Rogers. And so she's obsessed with him, talks about him every day. Um, she told me about some vitamin that she had that cures cancer. Uh, she told me that, I think she said she used to be married to the president of Brazil until she found out he was gay. Um, all kinds of crazy shit. Okay, and, so yeah, that's legit crazy. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, the last time I saw her, she was um paranoid about. She stayed in a condo upstairs, and she said that she had a friend downstairs that, for some reason, I don't remember what the situation was, but her downstairs friend had a key to a condo. And she had a bowl of plastic fruit sitting on the table, like decorative fruit. That She said she got it from Caesar's Palace. It was worth like $300. And then like, you know, every now and then she would notice like one of her plastic bananas missing or a couple of grapes here and there. And so she accused her downstairs neighbor of sneaking in with the key and stealing plastic fruit. And so she changed a lot and was um, putting together a uh, small claims uh, oh. suit against this lady. Wow. And she was asking me asking me for help with it. And I'm thinking like, lady, I'm just here to play poker. So right. I don't know. Yeah, she was crazy. She was, was, crazy. That, was that the only time you stayed with her? Was, was that the time you were out here that first time? No, I ended up staying with her. So I stayed with her the first time. Um, and that was 2011. I didn't go to Vegas in 2012. Uh-oh. 11 was the year I did the 10 days. So, uh, I stayed with her in 2013. And then in 2014, I booked with her again, but I didn't stay that much because luckily the TPE guys let me crash on the couch there. And so... I'm thinking like maybe the lady just has like this amazing strategy of where she gets poker players <laughs> to pay her to stay there and it annoys them so much that they don't stay there. 
and maybe she was renting like that room out to like 10 different people who just did not want to be there that's a who brilliant knows? strategy a brilliant strategy. yeah yeah so probably 15 was probably the last time i saw her and um i haven't been back since but you know she was crazy but you know i'm kind of fond of her she was um she was a uh lovable lunatic that's awesome i mean better to have a lovable lunatic than like a psychopathic lunatic yeah yeah i, I never felt in danger other than the fact that she sets her thermostat or air conditioning on 88 whoa and doesn't yeah <laughs> she doesn't want it to go past you know anything under 88 she feels like it's costing her too much to run it and so the only danger i felt was uh maybe of uh heat stroke right no <laughs> but i never I, I never felt like she was a you know um hannibal lecter or anything like that nice nice um so i'm gonna switch gears for a minute you are right now doing this podcast out of a van and uh so when i first heard about you you were going by you know the the homeless poker player like the story yep. you had is just i mean are you still you you play a lot of online poker and basically uh i was following when you were still living in uh on the east coast like kind of near atlanta right yep yeah and then you basically just living out of your van and playing poker and now you've moved are you in vegas now or where are you now i'm in portland portland oregon yes portland oregon um i got a job up here as a substitute teacher so um i basically i left atlanta in 2015 i bought the van um in 2015 to um live in it packed all my stuff drove across the country to vegas and planned to live in it in vegas um but around the same time i Man, these years kind of blend together. I want to say this was like early 2016. Um, Alex Fitzgerald, uh, Assassinato, is a friend of mine who was living in Costa Rica at the time. And he moved back to the U.S. And he and I got a place together outside of Vegas for a year. And since that time, I've been back in the van. And... So I guess I've been back in the van since like 2017, but the difference between now and early 2015 is I have, um, there's cheaper um, hotels and Airbnb. So I'll, I'll kind of, I'll say the past week or so I've been in the van maybe four or five days a night. I'm four or five nights a week. But um, uh, when I was in Atlanta, it was more of a um, full-time thing because this was before I knew about Airbnb. And in Atlanta, it was hard to get a hotel room for under like 60 bucks. And that was worth it to me. But in Bullhead City, I mean, Laughlin, outside of Vegas, I was getting hotel rooms for like $25 a night. Wow. nice hotel rooms so i started um uh, staying there um a decent amount and i'm not crazy this um airbnb i can find um uh, pretty nice rooms for 25 to 30 dollars 
pretty much anywhere I go. So when I'm able to get those type of deals, I'll take it. But anything above $50, I'd rather be in the van. And sometimes I just prefer the van, um, um, surprisingly enough. I don't think that's too surprising as long as you've been doing it. And it's like, it must surely feel like home to you, right? I mean, that's where you've spent a lot of your time. I mean, I'm sure you get a little cramped at times, but at the end of the day, that's that's kind of home, right? Yeah, his home is not cramped at all. And I almost rather be in the van in the middle of nowhere by myself than to be in the Airbnb where like the owners in the room next over and I can like hear them and they can hear me. Like I almost rather like when I'm in the van, I park like in the woods. So like there's really no humans around uh, when I'm when I'm sleeping in the van. And I prefer that. Yeah, for so many different reasons, I'm sure. Yeah. That's that's so it's so romantic to like just basically live out of your van and if you're like super cool with it, it's like it's a super romantic way to live, man, and it's I love it. I think it's amazing. Like what are like are there's like do you find destinations like I don't know, sleeping spots or spots like hey, I'd like to check out some cool nature area. I mean, you're in Portland. There's some dope spots out there, I'm sure. Like, go out in the woods and just lay out and watch the stars at night and check out nature. Like, are you into that kind of stuff at all? Um, Not really. Um, I try to find, like, a good auto zone to park behind. Um, I've done that (laughs) in Vegas and also West Palm Beach. Um. The um the nature stuff is cool, but I wouldn't say like I know people who are really into nature, so I don't even want to like lump myself in the same boat with them. I just try to avoid humans. So if I can find a spot that doesn't look nice, but there's no humans around, then I like it. And sometimes it's behind AutoZone, sometimes it's like on a beach, you know. Sometimes it's like like right now, it's like in a forest, like on the side of a mountain. So. See, that's some nature pre- stuff right there. That's pretty yeah, sweet. But it's pretty dark and it's not it's not like postcard material. Like okay. it sounds like what you're describing is like nice. No, this is just like me and like some deer and shit. <laughs> it's not glamor- it's not glamorous at all, but it's dark and it's quiet. And those are the two things that I need to sleep. Yeah, that's all you need. I mean, what what more yeah. do you need? Um and you also I, I know that you sporadically uh, I, I would say sporadically um, stream on Twitch, your poker stuff on Twitch. You still doing that? Yep. Do you, yep and, still you, streaming on Twitch. You used to do it out of the van a little bit, and then you were renting an office and kind of doing it from there. Like, I love everything you're doing. How how often do you stream? Um, Probably maybe four or five times a month at this point. Yeah. Um, usually, usually towards the end of the month. Um, um, I kind of kick it in gear if I haven't uh, um, streamed much during that month. But, um, yeah, I used to have the office. Well, I called the van the Knitmobile. Right. And when, when I had my office in Atlanta, I called that the Knit Cave. And so I would stream sometimes from the van, sometimes from the office. And um, once I got out west, I was paying, I think it was like 200 a month for that office. Um, and then out West, I wanted to get an office, but I couldn't get one as cheap. And then I discovered that hotel where you can get the rooms for $25. So I was just like 
you know, stay there and, and um, stream from there. Um, but yeah, uh, I've definitely had some interesting um, streams from a variety of places. I would think it brings so many more people. I wish more people would know about it because it's just it's really cool to see. Just first you, you're a cool character. You're, you're super knowledgeable. I loved your streams mainly because I'm a big hip hop guy and you've always got some hip hop good hip-hop talk on there and good music is stuff that people don't normally hear and uh yeah. and i just would think so many people could would want to jump on that and see that who's this dude playing poker out of a van it's like it's a really cool like just like a, a just a cool thing and just your whole story is amazing uh, when i started it was definitely a bigger following because back then i used to use like you said the homeless poker player title and that attracts people right away um, I haven't been doing it so much since then because um, um, I was living else. <laughs> but I guess I could go back to that now. But um, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But that first time, so I bought the van in August of 2015. And then I just took it on a trip around Florida where I drove down the... Um, West coast of Florida, just hit up a bunch of casinos along the way, looped down at the bottom and then came back up the East coast and probably went and streamed and played um, at around seven casinos in different cities throughout uh, Florida. On that trip, I was getting like two and 300 viewers on um, some of my streams. So it was definitely uh, more interesting back then. Also did a stream from a wild animal safari back then where I had a giraffe on stream and like a rhinoceros. Nice. And uh yeah, so that that clip is actually still available on my stream, I think, in the um uh past stream section. I forget what they call it. Right, right. Yeah. But since since then, um I've been doing more uh oh, also in April of 2015. I won the Bavada Major for 27K. And so I had a lot of um, uh, like money uh, in my bankroll at the time. And so I didn't have to work at all. And then since then, you know, that money's gone away. And so now I'm spending more time doing the substitute teaching, writing, coaching, and I don't have as much time for streaming as I used to. Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot lot of sense. Uh, but things are going better, would you say now than they were then, or the same, or like, how do you see yourself right now? Like, since you first started coming in the van, like, it's so you're probably on what five, three, three or four years in the van now, three years. Uh, yep, three years. And so I, I bet when it first when you first started doing it, it was probably a little bit scary, but and exciting. How is it now? Like, it's been it's you know it's you've been doing it for so long now how how has your attitude and things changed from then to now i would say that i have made a lot of good decisions in my life and of all the good decisions i've made getting in the van was by far the best yeah and so and so just the amount of freedom uh freedom of location um, freedom of time in terms of like, you know, because I don't have to pay a mortgage like I used to, I can decide when, when, um, I'm going to work or not, which is another reason why I enjoy being a substitute teacher. Um, 
So the the difference between now and then, um, I don't think there's much of a difference. Uh, it was never scary for me in the beginning. Um, I think like loved ones were more worried about it than I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never had like a scary experience in the van at all. Um, I, am, am I more com- I, I, I'm more comfortable in the sense that I've learned some things along the way to make being in the van more comfortable and easier. Uh, so one example of that is when I first started, I was researching other people on YouTube who do this and they buy like these big marine batteries that um, they connect to an inverter so they can plug in like their um, electronics and whatever. And so I did that also in the beginning. Uh, I think I paid like a hundred bucks a piece for these and I had three of them. They were like 75 pounds each. Oh, wow. And, and I would have to like charge them. So they would last for like maybe three, four hours. And then I'll have to like take them to AutoZone, which is why I ended up staying behind some AutoZones. <laughs> Drop them off at AutoZones and they will like charge them up over overnight. So for, you know, I was dependent on AutoZone to charge my batteries and they didn't last that long. But since then I bought these, which are, these are like um, power banks, I think they're called. And I can um, charge my USB stuff and also I can charge my laptop on it. So actually, like, obviously this isn't 75 pounds. So this is something that made my life a lot easier now versus when I first got into the, um, first got into the van have you thought about going with a bigger van at some point like one of those bigger ones like you can walk inside you know what i'm no. talking about like a, a cargo type passenger van. what are those things called i had a i had a podcast a while ago with a guy that lives out of one of those and he's got a bed a in it yes that's what it is his is a yeah it's one something like that his is a pro master or something or at the transit ford transit yes have you thought yeah, about like doing a sprinter like van? Yeah. No, no, for a couple of reasons. Primarily, um, price. Um, like everybody always says, oh, you should get an, an RV. When I bought my van, I had a 2005. Um, yeah. I can't remember now. Actually, this is a different van than the one I started with, although it looks exactly the same. I want to say the first one was a 2005 um, Chrysler Town and Country, and I paid like um, 2,500 for it. And this one is a 2006 Dodge uh, Grand Caravan, and I paid like 2,000 for this one. For me to spend that um, amount on a RV, it would be like a 1981 you know i don't, don't even know what that. yeah you wouldn't want that piece of junk. yeah 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 so it's like you know not dependable the mileage probably hard <laughs> is probably horrible gas mileage and, is probably insane right and so the other thing with with the sprinter for me to get a decent sprinter would probably be at least like eight grand and i'm just not interested in spending that much on a vehicle uh and the other thing is i can park behind AutoZone in this I can't park behind AutoZone and some big ass like you know box truck, right? You know, th- like I can, 
I've parked in places where people don't realize somebody's sleeping in there. Like this is a, a soccer mom van. Right. Like, I can park in like a Walmart overnight and people won't know because I got tinted windows and, you know, it just looks like a regular vehicle. Like it's not an RV. So that stealth mode is important to me and also um, price in the beginning and also gas mileage. Like this van gets pretty good gas mileage. My my ultimate van, if I ever won the main event, that's what everybody just asked me. Well, not the main event. I'll say if I ever actually for me, yeah, the main event. You wouldn't even have to win I, it, would you? If I won the main yeah, I would have to win it because um when I play it, I don't have a hundred percent of myself. So if I won the main event, I would probably clear personally like a million dollars. And if I had a million dollars, I would just buy like a three or four year old version of this van, except hybrid. <laughs> so that's my dream vehicle is a, uh, uh, like a 2017 right now. Cause that was like the first model. I think that came out the first hybrid van I've seen. And so I probably won't get something like that until like 2025 or something. So I'm going to get like a used hybrid Chrysler van when that becomes the thing. I believe you. I I, yeah. I I wouldn't believe a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot of people would be naive and think, because if you won the main event, you would get so much press. You're going to get sponsors. You're going to make a lot more than the million dollars that you have of yourself. You're going to make a lot more than that, right? Yeah. And, I would, and you'd, you'd have, you know, the fame and the adoration going on with it. And I think a lot of people would say that, oh, I just get a van and keep doing that. But I think they'd really be like, oh, I just hit it. You know, I'm going to buy a dope house, a sweet ride. It's time to live my life, son. This is what we came to do. But with you, I actually believe it. I think you really would just keep doing the van thing. People cannot wait to give the money back when they get it. Right. Can't wait. I was um, having a conversation with my buddy uh, Mike Snyderman the other day, and I kind of coined this term, I think. I haven't heard anybody else said in these words, but it's like, we all pride on pride ourselves on being good poker players. And then we go out and just let life value bet the shit out of us. And it's like, every time you spend money on something that you shouldn't spend money on, it's like making a river call with like second pair against a guy who's never bluffing. And it's like, nah, just cause I want to make, when did the main event to me for a million dollars profit um, for me, um, would be um, like, you know, getting in aces versus kings in a tournament and getting a big stack. I'm not going to immediately start dunking it off just because I got it. I want right. to try to hold on to it for a while. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake. Like, I saw somebody recently um, went deep in the main and uh, immediately, I think, posted pictures on Twitter of like two vehicles they bought, like just right away. And I'm thinking like, okay, man, um, for me, money is not meant to be thrown away like that. It's just like buy-ins. <laughs> it's just buy-ins for the next tournament. So I don't right. want to like get all my buy-ins away and then I can't play anymore. Right, right. Yeah, I was just talking to someone uh, the other day uh, that started his own company. And it's it's fairly small, but it's been growing. 
And he says he takes all the profit that he makes and he just keeps putting it right back into the company. He doesn't take any of it out for himself. He just and keeps doing it. And that's how you grow your company. And it seems like that's, I mean, that's what you are. You're your own company. You're, you're in the business of Carlos Welch. And I think that's incredibly wise to just take those money and just keep putting it back into more buy-ins. Yeah. More people, more poker players should look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just trying to be cautious of, how much money you spend, like if you're a live player, like getting these hotel rooms at these events that you barely even use the room because you probably play all day and then hanging out with friends all night or in the pits or whatever, which is another problem. It's like all the money that we waste off the table just sucks down all the profit that we make at the table if we're not careful. But isn't that a big draw to being a professional poker player for a lot of people. I'm not saying you, but for a yeah. lot of people, I mean, that's what brings them there in the first place is yeah. that it's just something in them. Like Let, let's do that. We're doing this. Hey, I just want uh, a, I just want a nice tournament. Let's go down and check out uh, the craps tables or something. Let's, let's, let's see how if we can keep running hot. Let's do it. It's yeah, like that mentality. Of- that's what gets that's And that's why they're being a pro poker player. I'm doing this. I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I ain't got anyone I got to answer to. Let's blow this money. <laughs> Yeah, they're pros in poker, but they're fun games and other aspects. Fun players and other aspects of life. Right. They like to be value better. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no difference between being a life whale and a poker whale in my mind. Yeah. What's that new money? It's that new money mentality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just can't wait to give it back. Just burns a hole in the pocket. Heck yeah. I don't know, man. To me, to me not doing that allows me to do stuff like this you know i'm not having to be somewhere like when i was um so it's 2 30 here in portland um if i was still um teaching i couldn't be doing this podcast right now i would be somewhere yelling at some middle school st- students who didn't study for the quiz you know and so now i get to do what i want to do when I want to do it. And that's because the little bit of money I do make, I hold on to it for as long as possible. Like that represents like having money and spending it on stuff that I don't even really want. I'm just trying to impress other people. That's like to some people, that's like the good life and like freedom to me, having the money and being able to keep it and literally being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, that that's freedom to me. And so, um, I don't know. I just don't want to, I don't want to spend everything I have and force myself to have to go back, you know, and do a nine to five, um, as opposed to, you know, traveling around doing whatever I want to do. What do you, when you, when you spoil yourself or like, I mean, there's gotta be some things like maybe, uh, iTunes music or something, or like, like, what do you spend your money on? Um, I used to say concerts, but I haven't been to many shows in a while. Um, I did used to buy a lot of, um, CDs and stuff like that, but now with Spotify, I don't do that so much. Um, not much, man. It's like, well, it, it helps that I don't have a lot of money right now. Um, so, but even when I did. I just spend it on buy-ins. Like what I, I mean, I want to play poker. 
So right. that's what I that's what I splurge on. Like the biggest expenditure I've had um over probably my entire life was the van. And that was like 2500 at a time when I had like 30 grand in the bank. And so I don't know, man. I don't I don't like I don't want a Rolex. I don't want like a fancy vehicle. I don't care about clothes. Um I don't do drugs, so you know I'm not buying like pounds of weed and nothing like that, or expensive bottles of wine or alcohol or um, what else people drink. I don't know. Wine, wine is the first thing that came to mind. Beer, but <laughs> yeah, but that that's not generally. I'm thinking about like splurging. Okay. Like nobody splurges on beer. At least, oh, as far go, as I know, oh, they do. They're, go talk. <laughs> to, go talk to Killing Bird. He'll tell you about splurging on some expensive beer. There's some beer out there that costs some money now. Okay, see that I was not aware of. <laughs> when I think of expensive alcohol, my I think wine. Right. Um, but yeah, um trips maybe, but even then I like fly spirit. <laughs> right. And stay in uh and stay with crazy Brazilian ladies. There you go. So um yeah, I don't really splurge on anything. Like I don't have much, but I'm happy with what I have. I mean, that's what's most important. I mean, it, it possessions are nothing. I mean, freedom is everything, and it's pretty – I mean, you, you can't put a price on freedom, and you have it, and you're doing it, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. If it's that's what you want, and that's the most freeing thing for you, that's incredible, and you're beating the system. I mean, I don't have that. I'm not free. I got to go to work tomorrow. I don't, I'm not looking forward to it either. And you've got me <laughs> beat. I mean, look at it. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And, I, and, and you know what? Um, I'm gonna go to work tomorrow also, but I'm looking forward to it. And if I and if I can't find a school that needs a sub that day that I want to go to, then I just won't go. Right. So like, there's definitely that 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 to me, this is like the ultimate. Is like being able, like I played Sunday online yesterday and it didn't go well, and. Um, so yesterday, even though I didn't make money, I lost money. I was doing for money what I love to do. All right. And then tomorrow, um, I'll do something else I love to do for money, which is teach math. Or another thing I found that's pretty cool is I can go sub in some of these high school classrooms, so I, like some of these upper level classrooms, and like get paid to learn. Like I served in a philosophy classroom the other day. I didn't take philosophy in high school. Like I learned more in that class than the students did. And so, you know, that is exciting to me. Now there's some schools I go to where it's just like rowdy kids and like uh, they're having like fire drills or like pep rallies and they just need chaperones, like that type of shit I'm not gonna do. Right. So I can pick and choose where I go. And that makes even getting up, going to work exciting. But when I was a full-time math teacher, th yeah, there were definitely a lot of days I did not want to go, but I didn't have a choice because I had a mortgage. Yep. And, and now it's just like, man, all that stuff is an afterthought at this time. It's just, I just wake up, figure out what I want to do that day, and then just do it. Man, that's the dream. That's the dream. Uh, can I go back to something you mentioned that you lived with Assassinato for a little bit, yep. for like a year? That yep. I, I used to listen to his podcast too for a long time. 
and that dude is something else, man. I would love to talk to him. I bet that, I mean, just the stories he's had on his podcast and the life that guy's lit. I bet the two of you together, I would love to have been a fly on that wall. What was yeah, that like? What some... was it like living with him? That had to be a really cool time or different time. Yeah. I don't. We, we had some really good off off camera um, conversations that were um, pretty life changing for both of us, I think. Like, he's a really cool guy. And his podcast was one that really, um, that I really enjoy. Also, like the year before I stayed with him, I used to listen to it all the time. And when I live with him, I listen to it twice because I'm in my room and he's in the front room recording it and he's pretty loud. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it when he's doing it, but I'm not getting Barry's um, side of the conversation. So after it came out, I would go back and listen to like Barry's responses. Uh, so it was pretty cool to to listen to the podcast um, twice. But yeah, man, we had we had a good time um, just working on poker. And um, he is a real like he's the opposite of me in terms of like like he would be the guy that's like going to the nature with you know like you described, like, you know, getting out in nature and just right. doing things that you're supposed to do. I, man, I don't care. Like, like he would want to go, like, if a movie came out, he wanted to go see, like, the latest movie. Um, his mom uh, was around, so he would take her a lot of places. Like, they went hiking, and um, um, I don't know. He likes to get out and, um, like, go to, like, the local like minor league baseball game and like man i just want to be in the house playing all right if playing or studying like that was what was um fun for me so um when it came to the poker we spent a lot of time together um outside of that the only thing that i can say that we did a lot together outside of poker was um ufc like we would always watch the ufc fights together we were both into that and um but yeah, I missed them with him. A lot of fun. Uh, we talked a lot about the. Um, I'm starting to, um, or at least at the time, I was a little bit more serious about uh, and I think I talked him some things um, when it came to nutrition. So, like those type of conversations, I miss having with him. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask you about, like, what do you eat? Like, it, it must kind of be hard to have a good diet living out of a van, or or, or is it not hard? Like, it's not, not, not hard at all. Um, I will say when I'm uh, more serious about it, then I'll do a lot of um, fruit. Um, I can do smoothies. I got, like, a little Nutra. It was it called like a ninja bullet thing where oh, yeah. I can do, um, yeah, like a little blender I can do smoothies with. Um, and then when I'm less serious, is these. <laughs> so, right here, I got Laura bars, which are kind of like, um, kind of like granola bars, but they're made with like just whole fruit and um, nuts. So like when you know a lot of a lot of things when you read the ingredients is like all these chemi chemicals you can't pronounce. Like these are dates, 
um, lemon juice and um, dried lemon concentrate and lemon oil. So, but like basically like, you know, whole foods in the ingredients. So when I'm being like, when I'm, when I'm not concerned about losing weight, I'll eat stuff like this, which is still healthy, but you can easily overdo it on these. And sure. I am. Yeah. I do overdo it. But, <laughs> it's very easy. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I'm on my on my game, it's um, like, man, Mike and I, Mike Snyderman, I was just at his place in San Diego um, for like, I think like a month, um, a couple of weeks ago. And we were eating um, vegan chili, which is basically a whole bunch of different vegetables. Um, some uh, tomato um, sauce and some chili powder. And that stuff was amazing. So when I'm like that kind of thing I can do in the van, like. Um, do you have like a little, sto a little stove or something like a little propane stove that you can use to, to cook on? No, but um, I have an air fryer. That's something uh, is some people don't know what that is. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, with I know what an air fryer is. I hear a lot of people. I, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to describe to people who don't know what they are. Uh, so I'm glad you do. But the way I try to describe it to people is like kind of like a microwave. It's like it's like a microwave mixed. With, it looks like a bread maker, but it acts kind of like a microwave. Um, but I have one of those. And what I'll do is there's certain parks around town where you can like, like they have outlets. So I would just like go plug in and like whatever I'm cooking usually doesn't take more than five to 10 minutes and just do that real quick. Um, yeah, but for the most part, it's a lot of easy, um, whole food type things. Like the other day I put a picture up on Twitter where I went to the store and just bought, I bought like a bag of veggies, um, some grapes, bananas, an orange. I think I still got that damn orange somewhere. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's probably ruined now because I haven't eaten it yet. It's like a week ago. And uh, watermelons. And I just went in a slice of watermelon. And I just went to the park and just had like a picnic on like a random, this is like a week ago, on like a random Tuesday for no reason. And so I could eat well, pretty cheaply out of the van and just eat fresh because I don't have a way to store things like that when I'm in the van. I'm just constantly like buying what I need for that day. Um, so it's fresh and it's good for me. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Uh, the, the podcast I had on with the other guy that was living out of his van, he said that he would go to the grocery store every single day. And that's how he, you know, he would be able to eat healthy that way. And then plus it just gave him something to do. Cause like, you know, when you live in a van, I'm sure there's a lot of downtime where you're not, where you're just, you know, kind of lo maybe looking for something to do. And he, at least for him anyways, and that's what he would do. He'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to the grocery store and get my food for the day. Like every single day. Yeah. I, I drive around a decent amount um, because I don't stay in the van. I sleep in the van, but usually during the day, I'm like at the library or, you know, um, they don't have them here, but 
there's a restaurant that I love called Jason's Deli, which is like an all you can eat salad. Oh place. yeah, we got we got some of those around here. Yeah, that, everybody everybody, everybody everybody raves about their salad bar. Yeah, like I used to eat there like every day. And then I would be in there for like five or six hours. So I would get like seconds and thirds. <laughs> and I'm like sitting in the back playing poker on my computer and then like eating salad on the breaks. Um, so um can't remember where I was going where how Jason's Ellie came up, but um I'm spending a lot of my time in the um library. So that gives me an opportunity to charge up my my power banks. And I'm just like studying poker, writing about poker or playing poker pretty much every day. And I have plenty of do plenty to do. In fact, I have too much to do a lot of times. So I never have that issue of like, you know, just sitting in the front seat of the van, just twiddling my fingers at like, you know, 3 p.m. with nothing to do. Like I'm constantly like doing poker stuff. Wow. You're still that's how how long have you would was when you first started going in the van, is that when you first started calling yourself like a poker player, like kind of professional? Do you consider yourself a professional poker player, I guess? No. Well, um, I'll, I'll say that I probably first started taking poker seriously, like 2006. And there was one point I used to sell real estate in, I guess that was 2000. Okay, uh, these years are kind of blurring. Uh, can't remember exactly what this must have been 2006. So I started playing poker in 2004. Um, at the time, I was working for the University of Georgia as a computer programmer, and I moved into real estate. So I got my real estate license, and I was selling real estate for about six or seven months. Um, I think from the end of 2006 to the beginning of 2007 and around that time is when the market kind of crashed. And so I just left my job at UGA. I had a job selling real estate, but I wasn't making money because nobody was buying. So at that point I had no source of income except for poker. So during that brief period of time, I was a professional poker player. Like all you need to be a professional poker player is to not have money coming in from anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and so during that time I was a professional poker player and couldn't win a hand, could not win a hand. And so I vowed to like, never go back to that. I'm always going to have some other type of um, way to make money outside of poker and poker is just like icing on the cake. Um, when, when poker wasn't working and real estate wasn't working and I love UGA, that's when I got into, um, teaching. So I started teaching in 2007, but once I left that, I've always had like, um, side hustles where I started a tutoring company, uh, for math. When I quit teaching, I would also do like substitute teaching like I'm doing now. Or like I recently, I guess it's been like two years now. It doesn't feel like it, but like two, maybe even three years ago, I started um, coaching poker. And so, and, and writing, I've been writing for poker um, publications since um, 2013. So I always got some source of income outside of playing poker 
And I think that's the best way to do it because if playing poker is your sole source of income, that will drive you crazy. Super successful. The swings are like just not just unreal. Right. Yeah. That's sick. That's sick, man. That's a good way to look at it. I like that. Um, I call myself a semi-pro. A semi-pro? If I'm a professional anything, I'm a professional poker student, not a professional poker player. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Um, in your fr- how old are you? Thirty-seven, I think. Every time, every time you ask me that question, I, know, right? I have to do the math. Yeah. I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> like, if you tell me the year, I can do the math and tell you my age. But I think somebody asked me recently enough to where I'm confident in saying I'm thirty-seven. Right, I'm thirty-eight. I'm the same way. I, yeah. I, have, I hesitate. Like, I think I'm thirty-eight. Man, after you get past 21, it doesn't even matter anymore. 25. <laughs> 25 because you get that car insurance uh, rate drop. Yeah, that's true. That's come on, true. come on, Nit. You're supposed to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know what, man? It's been so long. It's been so long that I even thought about car insurance. Like, I got all my bills. Like, I don't have many bills, but the ones I do, I have them, like, set up on autopilot. Like yeah. I damn near forgot I paid car insurance until you just mentioned it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should probably hey. check, check my rates. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you get your mail? You got a PO box somewhere? Yep, I got three PO boxes. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I got one, one one in Georgia, one in Arizona, and one here in Portland. And um, mail comes to all three of them, and at various times, if I get something important in Georgia, I just have my mom to mail it to whichever one i'm closest to at the time right That's so funny. so my my registered in georgia and i have a georgia um uh, licensed plate my driver's license is out of um, las vegas um my mailing address is out of georgia and i'm working in oregon so like I'm, I'm all over the place. The government doesn't know what to do with you. No, no, they're probably like you know. Anytime I go somewhere and like people ask that type of information, is I, I always get that little side eye like, like are you a terrorist? <laughs> <laughs> like no, just just freely living my life. Right. You were born and raised in Atlanta. Yep, actually uh, a town called Griffin, which is a little bit south of Atlanta. Yeah, but um. People outside of Georgia don't know that town, so it's Metro Atlanta, I'll say. Okay. Yep. Um, you're. I was gonna ask. The reason I was asking about your age, I was gonna ask about Freak Nick. If uh, I was, I was gonna say you're probably a little like, too young for that, right? Like they ended it like the year I was gonna go. Yeah. I think I was like sixteen, sixteen or seventeen, maybe I was gonna go. But I think that was roughly around the time to end it, and that was unfortunate. Right, right. Yeah, so I I missed out on Freak Nick. Were you uh for for those of those that are unschooled, were you were you kind of freak? Um, I'll say that the closest thing that I can compare Freak Nick to would be like you know how they have like these big gatherings during spring break at like, I don't know, I guess they go to like Cancun and like Daytona beach. 
is like that same environment, except it's like all the uh, HBCUs, the historic, historically black colleges and universities. And it just did it like in downtown Atlanta on the streets. So you got all these black college kids like listening to rap music. They blocked off traffic and it was just like spring break in downtown Atlanta. Uh, I'm not even sure how long it lasted. Like I'm guessing like two, three days or something. I don't know because I was too young to go. But um, um, the footage, the footage definitely made me want to go. Right, made everybody want to, made me want to go. I, I mean, I don't think I'm allowed there, but <laughs> I would love to have gone. Like, uh, like, uh, like uh, the black version of Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then some, yeah. And then you're a big hip hop head. Uh, who who should we be checking out right now? Who you listening um, to? Like who who's like who are you listening to right now? Who would you tell people to go out and check out that we don't know of? Um, I would say there's this guy by the name of Ransom, um, who I believe is from New Jersey. Probably one of the best rappers I've heard of. Period. Like throughout all. And nobody knows him because for whatever reason, the um, current climate and not just current, like for like the past 10 years or so, hasn't really been that interested in um, lyricism. And so, That's so true. you got, yeah, you got Ransom, you got this other guy who happens to be a friend of mine, um, Shaw Stimuli, like you got these type of people uh, another friend of mine, 3D Nati, who is a female rapper out of New Orleans, they all came along like after the year 2000 and nobody knows them. But had they come during that decade prior, they will all be like legends. Yeah. Like their music is that good. Like they're on the same level as some of the big artists that we know from the 90s, uh, lyrics wise, but like those artists none of these people have songs with that have a dance attached to it so oh, right, because right. of that because of that you will you'll never know them but if they but we know, all know who tag a, team is <laughs> yeah you know. if they came out with a dance everybody would know them and i was actually having this conversation with somebody earlier um the current um eminem album kind of brought this up like not only are people not interested in um how can i put this the younger generation now they're not interested in people with rap skills and they're even less interested in people with like there's a difference between being skilled at rap and being a good lyricist right like i'll say like uh when i first heard of eminem um i noticed i, I appreciated how skilled but he wasn't like the, i guess the difference is like being skillful but like having important music also like actually that's like the pin get to that like two times his music was always well most of the time important but sometimes the skill was a little bit lacking, but sometimes he had both. And when I first heard Eminem, I saw the skillfulness, but it was like real playful rap and it wasn't like important. 
And then he started making like important songs with the skillfulness. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, this dude is a legend. But then like over the last 10 years or so, at least from what I've seen, uh, and, and I'm not 100% up on Eminem's um, last decade of music, but from what I've heard personally and what I've heard other people say is that the skill is still there, but he doesn't, like the message music isn't there as much as it was before. And so nowadays, not only are people not interested in skillful rap, they're also not interested in like people with messages. And so I feel like such an outsider because those two things are like the most important to me. It's like, I, I never thought I would see a day where like, like the average hip hop fan was just like straight up disrespect to Eminem. It's like, but these young kids, like to them, he's some old dude that's rapping really fast and using big words they don't understand. And all they want to do is dance. And so I used to be bitter about it, but now I was like, you know what, man? I, I, I said this on Twitter the other day. I will let these young kids have their hits now because I know I get to have the classics forever. Right. And Good so the stuff, yeah. the stuff that, in fact, the stuff that they were listening to this time last year or two years ago, if you bring it up, they've forgotten about it. I'm still listening to shit for like 20 years ago. You know, so, you know, I, I'd rather have my classics than to have your hits. What are, uh, what are some of your favorite classics? Um, stuff I like is going to be like back in the day when they, when they would call it um, B-side. So like B-side songs, like not the hits on the albums and like I may mention songs that people maybe not even um, uh, be familiar with, but um, Nas had a uh, song called Ghetto Prisoners on one of his albums. Uh, I think it was on um, I Am. And um, the big hit from that album was Hate Me Now uh, with Puff Daddy. I think a lot of people um, probably know that, that song. Everybody knows that was huge on yeah. MTV, yeah. Right, right, but, but Ghetto Prisoners is like a song that wasn't a hit. Not many people knew about it, but that song was real inspirational for me. Um, Tupac had a song called um, um, Papa's Song, which had a line in it that, man, I must have been like 15, 16 years old when I heard this, but he had a line in it where he said, uh, well, actually his brother said, um, that's why I'll never be a father unless you got the time. It's a crime to even bother. And I, I, I remember that line to this day. I listen to that song often and it became a principle in my life. Like, this is why I don't have children right now. Right. Because I knew how hard it was for me growing up without a dad. And I'm thinking like, do that to somebody else because I don't feel like, um, I'm like being a parent is the hardest job in the world. And I don't think I'm qualified for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I chose not to be a parent for the same reason I chose not to teach calculus. Can't do it, you know? <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> and so it's like, you know, there's certain songs that were never hits that had lines in them that became like principles in my life. Nas had another song that I can't remember the name of now. Um, 
where he personified a prison cell. And that shit sounded so scary the way he described being in prison. I was like, man, I'm never going to jail. <laughs> and, I, and I never have. <laughs> you know, every time I think about it, I th- every time I think about that song, it makes me want to like walk the straight and narrow. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I didn't think you were going to have any of the classics that most people would know. That's what I was asking. I was just kind of trying to get some some deep cuts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, um, I'll say probably since probably since around 2000. So, Tupac died in 96, and we had a few other artists um, a couple years after that. And then around 98, 99 was, like, the bling bling era. Right. Where you had Cash money with Lil Wayne and those guys, and even like, even like, um, I don't know, there was like a lot of flashy rappers, like Puffy and them started getting real flashy, and I just wasn't into that shit. And so I kind of like got away from it, and I can remember actively looking for another genre. And it's crazy for me to be like the type of person that you know, hip hop is like super important to me, and I was like, I can't relate to this shit anymore. So I was like, man, like man, maybe I'll check out like Neo Soul or Reggae or something. Like I need to become a fan of a different genre because like rap is just like dead at this point. But I'm saying all this at that time because I was young and I didn't know anything about rappers that were not on the radio or rappers that were not on TV. Those are the ones that I was becoming annoyed with. But I met a guy who was working with a phrase I never even heard of before, underground rappers and independent rappers. And then when I met those guys, it was like, that's when I really fell in love with it. Cause it was like going to a show and seeing Tupac or Jay-Z and you're in the crowd, they're performing. And then after the show, they come off the stage and talk to you and then they're friends with you. Like obviously that's never happening with those mega superstars. But a lot of these underground artists, that happened. And it was like, the music was just as good. And these are interesting people in general. So I've made a lot of friends with a lot of um, independent um, rappers. And now that YouTube is a thing, like a lot of people are making like big names for themselves without these corporations at all. So I think that's um, pretty awesome. In fact, around this time, uh, my buddy, who is, his name is Vic, uh he had a record store at the time and there was like this up-and-coming rapper in atlanta would come up to the record store all the time and you know ask vic to like sell his cd and i would work in the record store with vic sometimes so i got to hang out with these people and this was ti oh so yeah so we kind of knew ti because before he became famous and kind of got a chance to like watch you know his um journey and I'm still fr- friends to this day with um, the vice president of um, Grand Hustle. Um, so those those type of experiences, I, I used to have a radio show in Atlanta. Um, I don't know. I don't talk about that much because, like, usually I'm talking about poker on these podcasts. But Vic and I hosted a radio show where we play independent artists. And a lot of those guys have gone on to come to become famous. So, 
that that was pretty that was a pretty cool experience that I I hated I had to give it up I, I gave it up mostly because um the show was late at night and I started teaching and I couldn't come in there sleepy every day and like being grumpy with these kids because right, yeah. <laughs> because I was tired but man those are some good those were some good times I remember two chains back then he went by Titty Boy, Titty boy. Yep. <laughs> yeah and he wasn't popular and and in fact. That I can remember a really funny experience where um, T.I. and Ludacris didn't like each other. And Oh, that's funny. A couple of midgets going at it. I'd like to see them brawl. Yeah. And so <laughs> Titty Boy, or 2 Chains was Ludacris's friend. And Doug is um, T.I.'s friend. Now, Doug's not a rapper. He's the um, pres- vice president of Grand Hustle, T.I.'s record label. But they were both at the store, at the CD store at the same time. So, like, you know, we know, oh, there's the rap beef going on. And this is, like, right after, like, the Tupac and Biggie thing. And so we didn't really know what rap beefs were. Like, that was our first, that was my first experience with, like, a big-time rap beef. And so now I'm thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, we got Doug here and Titty Boy here. It's about to go down. But, nah, they just kind of, like, you know, said what's up to each other and, um, uh, Titty Boy, I, I should call him Two Chains. Uh, Two Chains, it just feels weird calling him that. He was just in there shopping. He just wanted to buy some CDs. Doug would come in and hang out all the time, so he came in, bought the CDs, and like I think he took a picture with Vic and Doug and and left. So it wasn't a big deal, but um, I got a lot of stories like that that I don't get to talk about much anymore. I can remember Young Jeezy performing at an open mic that we put on and got upset because nobody knew who he was. <laughs> uh, like, like, like nobody was paying attention to him when he performed. He like threw the mic down and like threw a temper tantrum and left. And I'm thinking like, okay, first of all, that guy sucks. And then he's going to act like, you know, a diva because nobody liked this horrible song. Right. Something like, you know, forget that guy. And then like a year later, maybe not even a year, maybe like six months later, I'm walking down the street and I step on like a flyer and I pick up the flyer and it says, come to Young Jeezy's birthday party hosted by P. Diddy. And I'm thinking like, the dude who was at the club the other night? Oh, wow. I was like, P. Diddy? Like, so his um, popularity jumped pretty quickly because I don't know. I, I didn't get it. He, I mean, I still really don't like him now. I think he might be a little bit better now. He's probably got some other people writing for him. But when he first started out, he was horrible. Like, anytime somebody raps a word with that exact same word, I'm automatically just turning it off. Yeah. And he used to do that. He used to do that a lot. So, yeah, man. Who are some? I, I missed the. Did you get. Was it, just, was it just kind of like East Coast rappers, or did you get like a lot of West? Like, would it be all kinds of people that you'd be able to meet? through this um let's see it was mostly um atlanta rappers that i met or people from the south i met bun b i met um little john um okay can i tell you my favorite and i want to know if you eight ball on mjg i've seen them perform but i haven't like talked to them like the people that i'm mentioning i've talked to or or sat down and like, like listen to conversations that they've had, not just like going to shows. 
I, I did see a ball of MJG. Um, what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't What's know that? if you heard that. No. Uh, I'm hearing something. That sounds like. A... <laughs> okay, well, if you can't hear it, I'm just gonna know it. Sounds like a phone ringing or something. Um, but the um, no, not 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 that kind of phone. Like, like Google Hangs out is ringing or something. Like, I don't even use this shit. Oh, I have like no somebody idea. Call. I don't hear anything. I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I guess somebody's calling me on Google Hangouts. I, I never used it before. <laughs> but anyway, um, so MJG, I'm at like a little strip mall. Uh, what was I there for? There was some event going down with the radio station, and they had performances. MJG and 8-Ball, they come up, and they, they perform – and afterwards, they just got in like a pickup truck and drove off. Wow. Like, I thought that was cool as shit. Because in my mind, these are like legends. They these are, are like big artists. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like, you know, they got entourages and security and shit. No, they was in like a F-150. Wow. That's <laughs> or something. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was an awesome experience. West Coast artists. Um I don't think I've ran into a lot of West Coast artists or even like the the East Coast, like New York type area artists that I ran into were like the ones that were not big names. Like there was this guy, you may not even recognize his name, but there was a rapper, Half a Mill, who used to be down with um, Nas. Uh, so like, you know, there's Nas. He had like... Um, nature and cormega like all these like dudes that would rap with nas like probably the the most famous one was um az and so maybe that name's recognizable but these other names like people may not know but um met half a meal half a meal in atlanta he was really cool um but no man i'm thinking of the west the west coast rappers i know uh, that that I've, I'm familiar with, and I don't think I've met any of them. Yeah. Um, that's kind of weird now that I think about it. In fact, there's like this dividing line in my mind uh, in terms of what I would consider legendary West Coast rappers like Tupac, E-40, um, you know, um, Richie Rich, like those type of guys. Obviously, I would have never met them. They were before my time. And then these new guys like The Game and um, Kendrick Lamar. like that, YG or something. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I can't – like there's got to be like a middle ground that I can't think of. If I was ever going to meet anybody, it would be somebody in that middle ground, somebody that's not super famous like Kendrick Lamar and, and somebody who's not super legendary like Ice Cube. It would be how, somebody in the middle. How about a legend? Yeah, how about like a legend, but maybe I got a name for you. Maybe he's too big, too short. Um, yeah, too too short is a legend, and I never I never met him. I did talk on the phone with Mo Preem one time, who was um Tupac's brother. Um, he was in the group um Thug Life with Tupac, but most people don't know who he is. Um, that's about all I can think of as far as West Coast, unless you want to talk about like Thesaurus, who I've met through poker, right? Uh, one of the um pros on um, TPE, 
Um, I first saw him in 2006 when I was watching the uh, World Rap Championships. Um, so I knew him. I was a fan of him from the beginning as a battle rapper. And then I met him through poker and then we became friends that way. So he's probably like the only West Coast rapper that I would consider a friend. Yeah. That's pretty that cool. Seems weird, have, though. Yeah. 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 About the West seems, Coast. I got to think more about it now, man. There's got to be some more. Like, yeah. <laughs> probably of, 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 of all the ones that I, of all the rappers that I know, like the ones I'm closest with uh, would probably be um, Shah Stimuli, um, 3D Nati. And those people I met when I was working in radio in Atlanta. Um, there's a guy I went to high school with that had a little bit of a rap career. He went by Homeboy, like most people don't know him. But if you're a wrestling fan, uh, there's somebody in wrestling named Coach or something like that. Uh, he did like the theme music for that guy. And um, he was on a song with Yin Yang Twins. Um, Oh, you know what? Okay, so this is probably my biggest rap story. I'm in Walmart one day in Atlanta, and this kid comes up to me with a CD, wanting me to listen to it. He's like, hey, I, I'm a, a local rapper, and you know, I'm trying to uh, um, people to check out my CD. He's like, you know, I'm not trying to sell you anything. So at the time I was on the radio, I was like, I'll check it out. So I listened to it. It sounded pretty good. I was like, cool. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. Then he was like, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but if you'd like to make a donation. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I was like, you slick motherfucker. <laughs> and so um, I was like, look, you know, normally I wouldn't do this, but um, I want this CD because I'm looking for like good local music to play on the radio. So I gave him like $5 for the CD. I played it. And um, my partner, who I said, um, I gave him the CD, and then he passed it along to, um, there used to be a guy in Atlanta, a rapper in Atlanta went by DJ Smurf, and he changed his name because he got sued by the Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 Smurf, the Smurfs sued him, and so he had to change his name to Mr. Collie Park. And oh, he had shoot. a Yeah. Yeah. So he put out... Uh, like the Yin Yang Twins and, you know, a lot of um, Atlanta rappers. And the guy who I got the CD from, his name was V.I.C. Now, you probably don't know that name, but I'm sure you know his song. His big song was called Wobble. And it's um, it's like a big song that you hear like at weddings, uh, cruises. It's just like Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, Wobble. And that song got so big but nobody knows who made it and so but i i basically discovered the guy who made that song oh and wow so i'm always like really cool i'm always laughing to myself when i'm out and about and i hear it like i was in the dominican republic i heard it i was on a cruise in the bahamas i heard it you know i heard it playing like at a casino in vegas and i'm thinking like me if I told them um, this story. And like the song got big. So the, the song came out. Nobody really liked it. In fact, this guy, 
you remember Soldier Boy? Oh yeah. This so Mr. College Park put out Soldier Boy, and this guy VIC was making music like Soldier Boy. He had a song called Get Silly. That was like a kid's song, kind of like Soldier Boy. And then he did this wobble song, which was more geared towards adults, and nobody liked it. And then like a year, like, of course the kids didn't like it. And then like a year later, Beyonce was like dancing to it on YouTube or something. And then that's how it blew up. And all of a sudden, like they they probably played it at the White House before. The which beehive. is pretty funny. Like all, the, the beehive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very powerful. <laughs> the, the the fact that Beyonce was dancing to a song by a guy that I discovered is hilarious to me. Now I say discover, I didn't get no money from it because I just passed the CD on. But my co-host on the radio show ended up being the guy's road manager. So he made um, some pretty good money from it. That's really cool. I mean, that's something yeah. you can put. You might not have gotten paid on it, but to have that story, I mean, hey, you 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 found the wobble guy, VIC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That story and, and just like a few stories of hanging back in the day is pretty funny. Um. So yeah, I got I got rap stories all day, man. I love them, man. I, I could listen to rap stories all day. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, since we're talking about rap, didn't kind of bring up. Uh, this touched me in a weird way that I didn't expect. Mac Miller's death, right? That hit me for some reason, man. Like, and I just started going through a whole bunch of his old stuff uh, yesterday and the day before, man. And it's just I've, I. That sucks, man, seeing that. May 26, and just, he was, I, I don't know, I liked Mac Miller. He was just, a, he seemed like a really good dude, like a genuine fun, just a fun rapper, you know what I mean? It just, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, I can remember, I can't, I can't remember how I learned about Mac Miller, um, but I I first heard of him with um, Blue Slide Park, that CD, and What's funny is in 2013, I went to um, Pittsburgh to hang out with Andrew Brokus. So I met him in Vegas and he invited me up to Pittsburgh where he was living at the time. And, you know, we played a little bit of poker and then he was like, what else you want to do? And I was like, I want to go to Blue Slide Park. Nice. He was, like, he was like, what the hell is that? And so I was telling him who Mac Miller was and like, he took me to Blue Slide Park. He actually took a picture of me sliding down Blue Slide Park. And I went there because of Mac Miller. And kind of like what I was saying with Eminem, that I heard about Mac Miller. He was kind of like this fun-loving rapper type of guy. He had a f- couple of like, like you know how Eminem, like his first singles were always like these goofy, fun songs. Yeah. Like Mac, yeah. Mac Miller was kind of like that. Yep. But he could actually spit. And so I was like, okay, th- this is cool. But my favorite thing about Mac Miller, I may have got, I may have got some bad information on this, but I remember um, them talking about he was the first independent artist with a number one record or something along those lines, and that just really, really uh, made me a fan. Like, like anytime, like I'm real big on independence. And so, like, anytime a rapper does it themselves, and they not have to, and not have to depend on corporations, that makes me a big fan. I may have bought that album twice just because I wanted to help it go number one, um, because it was an independent album. And 
kind of like I was saying about Eminem, it was just fun music and he had skill, but it wasn't like life changing shit like Tupac did. Yeah, but that makes sense though, because he was only like 18 or whatever. Or whatever. Right. But then he put out um, I think it's called watching music, watching movies with the sound off. And he completely changed his style. And it's still, it was, it was like a whole different, like darker style. But I don't know how to explain that, but it was like he got serious, kind of like Eminem. Like he started out goofy and then he did stand. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they can get, you know, these goofy type rappers can get serious when they want to. And so again, again, a lot of respect um, from um, Mac Miller. And whenever he got on songs with dope rappers, you you could tell he would put the silliness aside and he yeah. would bring it. It's like, it's like competition when two good rappers get on the track. And he was, man, he was on a song with um, Static Selector one time. I can't remember the name of it, but he was fucking riding the hell out of that beat. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Mac Miller is definitely gonna be a um that that's that's a that's a loss that is gonna be hard to replace. Like somebody he he was like one of these guys who was young enough uh, to appeal to the kids nowadays, but then old enough to actually have skills. So like we don't have too many people like him that can bridge the gap. Um, so yeah, it's it sucks losing him. Yeah, that's a good put it good way of putting it. It's just how are we gonna replace that? Like that that that's it's it just sucks to lose. Like why couldn't we have lost uh I, I guess I shouldn't put somebody's name out yeah, there who we should have lost, but you know, not him. Yeah. Not yeah, him. I wouldn't would yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Takeshi 69 had a close call recently. I wouldn't mind if the, you know, can we take that one back? Can we make that trade? I'd make that. I think most of America would make that trade. See these people. I don't know anything about them. Um, I think I'm starting to come around just. um, Almost like by osmosis. Like I'm not trying to learn. Takashi 69. You don't know who that is. He's the guy that's got the rainbow hair. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like just by osmosis, starting to be able to pick these guys out of a lineup, but I still don't know. I couldn't name any of his songs or anything about him, um, but I do know what he looks like, and so I don't know. Like, like you know, Mac Miller could have like helped make that dude make sense to me, <laughs> or make Tupac make sense to him. I don't know, but you know, we got a few other artists that's out there trying to. Um, to um bridge the gap like the um this song that um childish gambino just came out with um something feels like summer i think is the name of it like the video is yeah yeah yeah, that video is really dope and like it's um i know he puts a lot of the older rappers or just older celebrities in general in the video with these younger guys and like have them interacting with each other. I don't know, man, maybe that kind of stuff will help. Like some of these guys, I know I'm, I know I sound like the old man. Um, a lot of times when I'm explaining what I'm talking about, you know, this mumble rap shit, <laughs> but there's definitely some 
positives to what these kids are doing. And there's a lot of positives to what I grew up on. So if there's a way to bring those two positive things together, like the one positive that I can say is like these kids do a hell of a better job of marketing themselves and like making a name for them. Like they make themselves famous. But it's, know, so, it's not so much easier now. Like, imagine if the legends could have done that. Imagine if there was. Exactly. Imagine if what? we had YouTube when Tupac and Biggie are around. You could say you that. You you say that, but it wasn't around then. But it's around now, and they're still around. So, like, why doesn't DMX have a YouTube channel? <laughs> you know, like it's he like, could do it now. It's too to. late. It's too late. He didn't get it when he was young and hungry and really putting out there. But if you put that first. At that album when he was first blown up if that was a whole youtube thing imagine how that would have been even bigger than it was back then i bet i mean nah, i mean, the, the I mean, I, I mean was... it, it would have been bigger but i'm saying i don't buy this excuse that they can't do it now because they're older because i see other old guys doing it like like tech nine is a good example like he's been doing it from day oh, one he's from here i'm in uh, King city oh okay i didn't know that so so Tech Nine is like the architect when it comes to like self-promotion. Like I went to a Tech Nine show and I was just amazed at how this guy who doesn't get radio play, the crowd is going crazy. And the most important thing is the fucking merch table was selling out left and right. He had like a Tech Nine jersey that he was selling for like $150. And like he just sold like 20 or 30 of them in that night. And I'm thinking like, damn, he's making more from merch sales than a lot of artists make for their perform for their um, performance fee. And so um, I was real impressed with his business mind. And these kids, a lot of them think that same way. And DMX is a bad example because I like a lot of DMX music back in the day, but um uh, I don't know if I would like music that he came out with now, but I'm trying to think of an example of somebody who I would definitely like their music. Okay, so prime example, Black Thought. Black Thought just put out a CD uh, this summer. I loved it. A lot of people never heard of it. This dude is on Jimmy Kimmel every night. Now, I know he can't just take over Jimmy Kimmel show and promote his shit, but like he could have a much bigger YouTube presence. Or well, he's pretty big on Twitter, but not necessarily for promoting his music. It's more for like, like having political debates and stuff. Uh, but his CD, he's still one of the best rappers. Um, he has the ability, if he wanted to, to promote himself. But the fact that there's more people who know who, what's the dude name again with that six nine? There's oh, more God. people who know. There's more people who know who he is than Black Thought. I think in terms of like when this guy drops an album, I'm sure like all his fans go crazy. Like I don't know. Like did you know about the Black Thought album? No, I have no idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure you like Black Thought. And so if you if you and I don't, that I don't, album, yeah, and I don't like Takeshi or Takashi six nine at all. I don't like that. Yeah, dude. yeah. Yeah, that's okay. what I was saying. Like, Osmosis, I know who this guy is. I'm not even trying to know who he is. But I just, like, you know, heard about him because he's good at self-promotion. And they're all like that. And so some of these old heads 
can learn that from these kids, how to use internet marketing to kind of make yourself hot and not depend on the labels. And these young kids can learn how to fucking rhyme words from the old guys. And, and maybe us can learn how to make a catchy song. Like you can rhyme words. Some of them are dope to me because I'm into that type of stuff. But I can see why other people say some of this shit is boring. So you don't uh, want you so want like, I don't know, man. You're wanting to get the two they sides to come, to come together and collaborate. Like take I your want them to come together and, and improve each other. <laughs> yeah, I like that's a beautiful, beautiful idea. Hey, the old guys are gonna kind of look. We've paved the way for you to get here, and now let's kind of show you what we did wrong and kind of help you get your guys' music to be legit. And then the young guys can be like, all right, you teach us that. We're going to tell you guys how to sell yourself and how to use this whole YouTube yeah. thing. And mon And then they would come together and make beautiful, sexy music together. That'd be sick. Yes. Why can't we do that? Why isn't it here? Yeah. That's a good question. Like, I'm oh. a big um, I'm a big Goody Mob fan um outcast like that's the kind of stuff I, I grew up on in atlanta Makes sense. and i would i would buy their stuff today but they're not putting it out and in fact when they do put shit out sometimes it's so like watered down or whatever i don't even know how to describe it but like the last goody mob album was not great um i tried i, I bought it i tried to kind of support it but i was like man I don't know. I, I just didn't get it. But um, those old artists, they still have a dormant fan base out here. They just need help reaching us. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I had some. Oh, oh I had something so good. This. Oh, I've, I went down. I, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole. You ever do that where you just hit watch one YouTube video and then it suggests a different one and you go down that one and they get weirder and weirder. And next thing you know, you're just down this weird spiral and you have no idea how to get there. You ever do that? You know, earlier when you were talking about being in a van and like looking for something to do, that's the type of shit I do. Every yeah. single thing. I do that every day. Okay. I just went down one the other day and I should have, I guess maybe in the back of my head, I knew about this, but I wasn't as aware of it or knew that it was really a thing that it is. Uh, I, country rap, I think it's called, I think they call it country rap. Do you know what this is? There's, it's, there could be two different things you're talking about. I'm assuming, like, you got people like Colt Fork, who is a country music artist that raps. And then you got people like Pimp C. <laughs> Who call who's a regular rapper, but he's a southern rapper and he calls it like country rap. No, this so, is this is like white boy redneck shit. I'm talking yeah, so, uh, uh like oh this this horrible, this goofy looking dude. I wish if if you saw this, I wish if this guy saw his own video and saw how gay he looked, he would not do it. <laughs> his name is Struggle Struggle Jennings or Struggle Johnson, Struggle something, and he's friends with uh Jelly Roll. And uh, little white. Do you know who? No, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with little white. Um, and okay, so I'm I'm still a little bit confused. So like the other two people you mentioned, I don't know, but I know who little white is, and he is more like he's a white dude, but it's like gangster rap in a sense. 
And so that wouldn't be kind of like um, what I'm thinking about. Are you familiar with Colt Ford? No, I don't know who that is. Okay, is he, he a white he, he's like, a, yeah, he's like a legit country singer who raps. Okay. So this is different. This sounds different from what you're talking about. Like, like these are all white guys, but some of them are like country guys that are using a little bit of rap. And it sounds like you're talking about rap guys who are using a little bit of country. No, like, these bu- are... like, bubble, like, like, like bubble sparks. No, no, no. I remember bubble sparks. Uh, um, no, this was, this was just like, they're just rednecks. They got the rebel flag flying around. They're drinking beer. They're just Southern country rednecks, but they're doing rap and they're trying to look all tough. They're, and it's just, I didn't know it existed to this. It, it was really <laughs> just, when, when you, when you, when you want to go down a rabbit hole, I think his name was, I remember because it was such a silly name struggle, like it, uh-huh. struggle Jennings. Yeah, because I wouldn't. Would, he's, I related wouldn't to, uh, he's related to. He's uh, related to. What? There's a country singer that's a, a Jennings dude. I don't know. Uh, people are Waylon. Yes, Waylon. Waylon he's uh, a brother or a son or uh, some kind of relative of of a Waylon Jennings, I think. And his name is Struggle. Well. Struggle, and it's it's. It, it, you got to check this out. It's, I'm gonna it's check ridiculous. It out. I, I actually. Okay, see, I'm gonna check it out, and I'm gonna check it out with um, because I dig that kind of shit. Like, if they're really doing it and they're taking it serious, they are. Then That's I'm the like, thing. It is so yeah. bad, Carlos. This stuff is so bad, and they're taking it so serious and acting like it's so good, and they have followers. And I just, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand it. I guess it's just. They're giving people that are in like these tiny towns of like just big enough to have a Walmart, giving these people a voice or something. See, that that's what I'm saying. Like, I grew up with a lot of people like that being from Georgia. And so that's why I kind of dig it. If it's like like Bubble Sparks, I really like Bubble Sparks in the way that he kind of uh, portrayed his white country life in the same way that, you know, Goody Mob Outcast portrayed my black country life. Mm-hmm. Like I dug it. I dug it as long as it's being um taken seriously. Um some of it is going to be um I'm gonna have a hard time understanding when they're talking about like lifestyle type stuff. Obviously there's gonna be cultural differences. So I'm not talking about that part of it. That I understand is gonna be different. I mean in terms of is it just like simple rapping or are they really fucking spitting? If you really spitting, I almost don't care what you're talking about. And so that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, like, okay, so one example is um, a friend told me about um, there's a golfer, Bubba something. Oh, Bubba Watson? Yeah, he raps. No. He, he got like, He's got like a little rap group. And it's it's funny because he's like a famous golfer rapping and i think and silly with it i think the group is called like the golf boys or something like that oh my gosh so it's it's some it's some silly shit but you could tell they tried their best you know so that's fine uh but that's not something i'm gonna get excited about no nobody is i've seen (laughs) seen some people who aren't rappers that when they rap they take it serious and that shit is exciting 
Um, do you know Shia LaBeouf or something like? He's an yeah, actor. Yeah, he's a Transformers fella. Yeah, like like he was rapping on Sway in the Morning, his radio show, right? And he was really good. So I respect that. It's like if you're good, I'm gonna get excited regardless of where you're from. And to me, that's what rap is about. It's it's kind of like poker in that way. It's like it doesn't matter how you got here, but if you're good when you get here, then you belong. And so I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of looking forward to hearing this, but if it's some cat in the hat shit, I'm turning it off. I, <laughs> I give every, I give everybody I give everybody thirty seconds. Every video I give every video thirty seconds. Now what I'm expecting to see is like some fucking trucks in the mud and shit and girls with bellies. Ah, that's hilarious. You that's know. so true. Girl, you know. yeah, nasty looking country girls with bellies and crooked teeth. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of expecting to see. And if I see that with some bars, then cool. But if it's just that and some cat in the hat shit, then I'm turning it off. Yeah. So, uh, but like Coat Ford, he was uh, like, I heard some of his stuff wasn't that bad. I mean, it was it was rough because he's not he's not a young dude. He's like an older country guy, but he's like known. He's not known as a rapper in the rap world. But it's not like a country. He, he's not like Bubba Watson doing like one or two rap songs. I think like everyone in his CD was like majority rap and he's a country guy. So I think that's pretty cool. Like it's clear that he's taking it serious. He's not like, um, what's that one guy? Uh, I shouldn't even say this because I don't watch wrestling to know enough to know if he's taking it serious. But there's some rapper, some wrestler that's known as a rapper, John Cena. He's not like John known Cena. As, that guy is not known as a rapper, is he? He was known. He was known as a rapper. Yeah. Where? In what not, circle? Not what a, kind not, of again, again, again? Not in the rap world. He was okay. a wrestler. He was a wrestler that rapped. And so, oh, come on. I was gonna say he's not really taking it serious, dude. Macho Man put out a rap album. Macho Man Macho put out Man, a rap album. When? Macho. Uh, you know, I played on it. I played on the air. So this must have been my radio show was from 2010. Are you kidding no. me? This was he did it in the no, 2000s. No, no, no. Yeah. So my my radio show went from 2001 because it was right after 9/11. Um, for we went for about 10 years, and I played his um his record on the air. Like a lot of this, I mean, I laughed I laughed the whole way through it because it's fucking Macho Man. But, I'm writing. I'm writing know, this down right now because so I don't it, forget. I am looking up Macho yeah. Man rap. I've got to check it, this out. It was, dude. It wasn't as bad as you would expect it to be. Like he was dead ass serious. I think it would be good. He was an entertainer. He had a good voice. I bet if he could tame that voice into a, a lyric voice, <laughs> lyrical voice, I bet it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, that shit was funny as hell, man. But yeah, I gave him. I gave him some airplay. You know, gave Macho Man a little love. You know. And but but John Cena was probably more. I mean, his his whole thing was he was like the rap guy. He was like the rapping wrestler or something. I had so, no idea. Yeah, there's a lot of people that rap that you don't even think about their rap, man. Uh, sometimes I think about um, Beyonce. Like Beyonce singing, she sings in a way that she's rapping sometimes. And so she doesn't consider herself a rapper, but there's 
there's not that much different difference between what she does and what Drake does. So if Drake can be a rapper, then fuck it. Why not Beyonce too? Yeah, he's he is a sing songy rapper. Yeah, guy. yeah. There's a there's a lot of a lot of rappers that people that we don't think of as rappers or people that rap in their spare time. And I think that's cool. Uh, that is really cool. I mean, I guess if it's good. I mean, there 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 are people I would like to see if if they said they were rappers, I would definitely be interested in checking out. Yeah, and the ones that'll surprise you are the ones that you don't expect. Like, um, did you ever know this TV show? Everybody hates Chris. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be like like the kid who played Chris Rock. Yeah, he raps. Yeah. Fuck, I thought it was a joke when um, Donald Glover started rapping. Oh, yeah, man. He's like, one of the big... he's like good. He's like, yeah, he's yeah, legit. He's like one of the biggest stars in rap. Like, I respect those type of people more than, like, fucking Post Malone. So it's I don't like, like that guy. I don't like him at all. Yeah. The first time I heard him, I thought I saw his video, and I thought it was an SNL skit. That's how bad it was. And I was like, I thought that was their impression of a dude who's not cool trying to rap. I thought the same and thing. Then, yeah. And then I heard on the radio, I was like, people really like this shit? And it blew my... Somebody sent it to me. In fact, on my Twitch stream. So I was twitching and somebody sent me this link and said, hey, have you, have you heard of Post Malone? Check this out. Because people used to always send me links and they wanted me to play it on my stream. And I said, I'm not playing no whack shit on my stream. So <laughs> I'll check it out later. And if I like it, I'll play it tomorrow. And so I checked this out, and I, and I responded to the guy like, you joking, right? Like, you got to be kidding. When he sent me that, the video had maybe like twenty or 30,000 views. And like a week later, that shit had like 10 million views. The song was called White Iverson. That was the funny thing about it. So this is a white dude who got cornrows. And he looked at himself in the mirror with his cornrows and said, I look like Allen Iverson. I'm like a white Iverson. And he made a song out of that. And I was like, that's the dumbest shit I ever seen. And the video was just so like spoofy, but it, it was serious. And now he, he was like serious. A, yeah. Now he's like a fucking megastar. Right. And so I'm thinking like, man, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. And, and he wasn't rapping. He was singing. And so, but now I think he's got songs with Justin Bieber and all this. Like, you know what, man? It's like, like he he has songs with Matt Miller, um, so he is um, a legit star now. But hey, man, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, if you like it, you like it. It's it's not for me. I'm not a big fan of him, but um, er, I don't have I, to be. I, I yeah, I used to say my only problem with it is when they call it rap. It's like there should be like subgenres in rap to kind of separate what I expect to hear from what I end up hearing. Like, I don't mind these people who sing. Like, I don't have a problem with fucking who? Um, Ed Sheeran. I don't have a problem with him. But if he called himself a rapper, I would have a then problem. Then you would have a problem with him for sure. <laughs> right. So that's my problem with Post Malone, Post Malone is that he calls himself a rapper. If he just said, hey, I'm a singer, then that was fine. Like, in fact, that was the one thing I used to respect about Young Jeezy. Like, he actually put out rap songs, but he used to say, I'm not a rapper. He's, he basically said, I'm a hustler that's using rap to make money. And I was like, you know what? I can't even criticize you now. 
I gotta respect that. I guess you are allowed to round to rhyme thug with thug if you say that you're not a rapper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He found the uh, yeah a skirt around the system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Heck yeah. How much battery you got left? Am I am I draining you? Do I I can uh I can let you go, man. We've talked probably for longer than you thought you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I still got like um like three more lights, so I should be good. Right on. I didn't know if uh, you want to save that later for your poker plan. Where do you play? Where do you play most of your? Do you play a lot of poker? Are you still playing a lot? Online, um, I, like online, or like how do you choose to play these days? I play online pretty much um, every night, um, but I'm only playing maybe five, six tournaments total um, on a given weeknight, and then I'll probably play like fifteen on Sundays. So, I'm probably if I have. I'm getting in somewhere between like probably around 50 tournaments a week. Um, if that, so I'll say between 40 and 50 tournaments, uh, I m mainly play on Bovada. How come? Why do you, why do you choose Bovada and what, like just stick there? Cause everybody on that site sucks and I like money. And I don't understand people who want to challenge themselves against the better players or people who get a um, they get a kick out of playing live versus like when a pro sits at their table that they're all excited about that. No, that would be cool if we were playing for something other than money. <laughs> but if we're playing for money, the last person I want to see at my table is Phil fucking Avi. Any yeah. other any other time it would be cool to see him, but not when he's trying to take my money. If you're gonna try to take my money, I want to play against the worst people I can possibly find, and for me that's been on Bovada. I I was kind of wondering more of like a uh, diversity standpoint, like putting some of your funds on this site and this one and this one because I I don't know I didn't know if there was enough tournaments to go around on just one site. Um. There is one five or six tournaments a night. Like, yeah. I usually start around five um, and go to, like, maybe ten. Um, the last one I play usually is that Thousand Air Maker. And if I cash that, it usually goes to, like, midnight or one Pacific time. So... I'm not, I play at most four tables, four to six tables at once. So I don't need a whole lot of volume. And I don't keep a lot of money online. I just like deposit and, and withdraw as needed. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any um, problem with the amount of volume I'm able to get in. Okay, that's yeah. I I had no idea. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've always heard that. Um, I've always I've heard for years that Bovada is just a weaker player pool, but everybody, it's everybody. I don't know if it's a streaming thing. Maybe it's just what that's what I see. But I just see so many people on the uh, that America's card room. Yeah, and, and I played on it when it was soft, but it's gotten tougher, and. As I as I move up, um, I've only been playing like fifty dollar tournaments and one hundred nines for probably like 
a year, year and a half. And at that buy-in level, the tournament some provider is just way softer than ACR. Now, if you're playing like $10 tournaments and maybe even $20 tournaments, then ACR is probably on a similar level. But uh, European players can't play on Bovada. So you could be on ACR and it's 109. In fact, I saw this the other day in a $55 tournament with KB and fucking Mormon was at his table. Oh, wow. Mormon's not going to be at your table in a $55 tournament on Bovada. Can't get, can't get to it um, from wherever he's playing at. And so these stars regs started to kind of invade ACR and just made the high limits, the high stakes tournaments a lot tougher. And I don't see why people will want to play on that. I know why they want to do it because there's like big guarantees. There's a lot of big guarantees and people want to play for like five figure scores and six figure scores with a million dollar tournament. And I'm thinking like, I don't really need a five figure score. Like I, I don't want to have to get super lucky and fire off like 10 bullets to try to win a five figure score that may never come in like massive fields when I can consistently get four figure scores in small fields against people who aren't trying without having to fire multiple bullets. So I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me why anybody would play the majority of their volume on ACR and run a lot of tables or unless they um, um, are like some crusher that is not worried about Mormon being at the table. Like, I understand why Mormon plays on ACR. Right, yeah. I just don't, yeah. I just, I just don't understand why people at my level choose to play against him. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it's probably an ego thing. Yep, it's the ego. It's the same reason people play WSOP events, or it's the same reason people play WCOOP. It's almost like WCOOP is going on right now, which is all the best poker players in the world go and travel in order to play against each other. Like, why? If you're the best player in the world, why do you want to play against the other good players? Because if I'm the number one player in the world, and I'm playing against the second player in the world, then we're basically just paying rake. Like, who's getting exploited here? I want to play against exploitable people. I don't want I, to play against, like, the top 100 in the GPI. Right. I, I would I would argue or make their argument for them on that is that there's the player the, there's so many people in those tournaments, the odds of you running into one of them is probably pretty small until you get super deep and then even then you and one of them have to make it i just like some of those fields are just like what aren't they like thousands of players yeah I mean, and you're playing like against a lot of i mean you got to think if there's like three thousand people in a tournament or whatever how many of them are just going to be just awful i don't know that's that would be an argument i would see for their that side. increases that increases the variance so you're going to be less likely to final table when the field is bigger and my argument is if there's a thousand people in a field and there's a hundred good players, so 10% of the field is good, the field is bad, 
that that seems like you know pretty good numbers. But I'd rather have those same numbers in a 100 player field where 10 people are good and 90 are bad. Because now I'm still I'm still getting those same ratios in terms of um, skilled players to um, bad players. The only difference is I'm final tabling more often and I'm cashing more consistently, which decreases the variance. And I'd rather just run that scenario over and over again than to like try to do it all at once. Like to me, the worst thing in the world would be like a million dollar guaranteed tournament with like a $1 buy-in. Like that just sounds like a nightmare to me, <laughs> but, but pros, pros love it. Cause they're not thinking about having to get through a million people. They're thinking about if I get through a million people, there's probably going to be like on a $1 investment. I would not play that tournament because I don't want to play infinite hours to like, like they look at the first place prize, which is like a pie in the sky. I'm looking at the min cash and thinking like, if I play this shit <laughs> for 20 beat, hours and make $2. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be 800,000 people for, for a fucking 75% profit. I'm going to want to blow my brains out. Right. And so I like, instead of small buy-ins, big guarantees, I like big buy-ins, small guarantees. To me, that's more consistent, um, less pros. And um, that's what I found on Bovada. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I hope a lot of, I don't know, hope a lot of people don't start thinking that way and start moving to Bovada. I mean, but even if they didn't, at least the Europeans won't go there, right? Huh. Yeah, because they can't. And, and And if they, I will say... The average field size that I play is somewhere between like 20, I'm sorry, um, 200 to 300 runners. And so I'm not completely over it until it gets to like 500. So uh, we can, we got room for a few more. Yeah. But, but once like some of these ACR tournaments, man, first of all, they got to do like nine hours of late range. Oh, that's the worst. Because they got to make these big guarantees. And then the field size is consistent consistently over 500 in so many of these tournaments and like yeah that's great if you win it but you never but you're gonna win it so so much less often often now because there's so many more people so i don't know i just i just i prefer low variance other people just seems to like variance i don't get it variance makes sense if you're a good player that's why again chris mormon it makes sense why he plays but if you don't have an edge on, you know, like 99.9% of the field, um, I think you're probably making a mistake the bigger the field is. At some point, it just becomes a lottery ticket. And maybe that's what some people are looking for out of poker. But um, I'm looking for consistency, and the amount doesn't matter that much to me. Like, you know, I'm happy anytime I cash for like $1,000. Um, and you, but you know what? I think more nowadays in terms of buy-ins than, um, than money. So I'm happy when I cash for like 10 times my buy-in and, or more. And so, and that's, that's only changed recently because I've noticed on Bovada that they're starting to pay out a bigger percentage of the field. 
So they're paying out roughly 20% of the field now. So I'm expected to cash around 20% of the time, maybe a little bit more because of my edge. And so if I'm able to cash at double the expected rate, then to me, that's a profitable tournament. Where in some of these big field tournaments, um, I think it's going to be harder to cash consistently like that. And even when you do, the buy-in is smaller because they got to spread it out amongst so many people. Like it's, it's, it's horrible, these tournaments where when the min cash is like less than 1.5x the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Some of the tournaments I play, a min cash is like two or three times the buy-in. And if I play the Survivor tournament, it's like the Thousand Air Maker, a min cash is like 10 times the buy-in. So that's the type of shit I'm looking for. There you go. That's why you're a math teacher. You got you got you got everything figured out, man. The math is just like people don't seem to understand the math. And people, kind of like you said earlier, they're glory chasing. Or they're chasing like some high, like these people who go to like this. The people who will play a one dollar tournament with a million dollar guarantee are the same type of people who play the lottery, or the same type of people who play roulette. And I'm not that type of person at all. I'm like a mutual fund guy. <laughs> I'm S and P 500. You know, just slow and steady gains. That's awesome. How did you? Like what? What were you always like that? Were you always like? Uh, I mean, like the word "nit" means like someone that's like real close with their money. I guess for all the non-poker players out there, like just kind of yep. keeps. You know. I don't know. Is cheap? Is that a bad word to say? Someone who's cheap? Right, frugal. How about frugal? Frugal's a good word. They all like, work. Have you uh, work. have you been like that as far, as long as you can remember, or is this something that you just kind of developed at some point, or like how did you just become frugal? It's a necessity when you're broke. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And so it's not even. It's not even. It's like normal. It's like being frugal. Being frugal is a word that people with money use. It's like when you don't have money, like being frugal is like the same thing as breathing. <laughs> you know, nobody, <laughs> like when I grew up, we were on food stamps. I ain't have no Rolexes, you know, I ain't have no PlayStation. So I've always been um, frugal because there was no choice. And I guess the difference between me and a lot of people is what I mentioned earlier is that I look at money as a tool that provides me with freedom based on the fact that I have it, not based on the fact that I'm some type of conduit for it to kind of like flow in and out. Like I'm trying to capture it (laughs) and keep it. Like that's what provides me the freedom, not spending it and then making more and spending it and making more. Like those are the people who I think end up, um, having big problems in life are the ones that increase their standard of living in conjunction with increases to their income because now it's a never ending cycle. Like the, the, the more you make, the more you need. And then you get to a point where you can't make the amount that you need to make legally. So you have to start doing illegal shit to get it. And then that's when you just go down a bad road. Do you see? you seen some things like that in the community like that you've witnessed firsthand like people i can't keep up i gotta start doing something illegal 
Yeah. Like and what? Like selling drugs. Um, like the the main thing I always hear people talk about. Um, oh, I gotta feed my family. I gotta feed my kids. I'm thinking like, okay, what you're doing is bringing in probably five or ten thousand dollars a month. How fat are your fucking kids? <laughs> right? What are you feeding them? <laughs> yeah, it don't take that much money to feed our kids, so they use that as an excuse to make money to to keep up with whatever like you know lavish lifestyles they live in that may not even be that glamorous like a lot of people just have drug habits which can be kind of expensive and then now they're sitting around looking like crackheads or cokeheads or weedheads and it's like the money's coming in and it's going right out for that alcohol all this shit and um there's never is like they say it's not it's not what you make is what you keep and most of these people who make the most just never keep any of it you know and so i don't know man i'm thinking if you're gonna live that way at least be happy like there's so many like like we see celebrities um that are making millions that are unhappy or they're making millions and they're broke yeah um and so i'm thinking like man I don't want to fall in that trap. And I guess like growing up poor kind of made me comfortable living this way. And then having the foresight to, to kind of look at other people's mistakes and learn from them without having to make them myself kind of makes me um, um, willing to live this way. So I'm able to because of the way I grew up, grew up and I'm willing to because of what I understand about math. <laughs> And so I guess that would be my answer to the question. Do you have an end goal? And I'm not even going to say an end goal. How do you, do you have, like, do you think and down 10 years down the road, do you look that far ahead and have a plan? Like, here's what I'd like to be doing 10 years from now. Like, yes. In fact, um, I had a tweet that I revisited recently where when I first started with poker and I started like, like I quit my job in 2012 and moved out West. Now, nah, but even before I moved, let's say 2012 is when I really started taking poker serious, like, like full time. And at that time, people asked me those same type of questions. They're like, okay, what's your five year plan? That was the thing back then. I don't know if people still talk like that, but it's like everybody need a five-year plan. And I'm thinking in five years, I want to be happy. So my my plan for the future is happiness. And um, I was broke five years ago, and I'm still broke now, but I'm still happy. So in my mind, mission accomplished. And my 10-year plan is, is to be happy. So if doing this still makes me happy, then I'm going to still be doing this. If not, I'm going to do something else, but I don't have any type of, um, like, I don't care about winning bracelets. Like I'm probably not going to play many. Bra if I win a bracelet, it's going to be the main event. Cause that's really the only bracelet tournament I'm interested in playing. Uh, play w Cooper scoop and none of that shit. Um, not even like circuit rings, like, like, like none of those type of trinkets um 
like those are not goals. I mean, obviously, if I win something, I'm not gonna like give it back. But um, I would be okay if I didn't win them. In fact, like I said, this is somebody the other day. I almost rather get second in the main event than first because you kind of give up something when you are the main event champion. You give up um, some of your anonymity. You give up some of your personal um, freedom. Yeah, yeah. So I want the money, but I don't necessarily want bracelets. I don't necessarily want to be like fucking um, Doyle or Phil Helmuth or somewhere in the hall where he can't get to the bathroom to go pee because everybody wants an autograph. Like, I don't ever want to get to that level because that's when you go Kanye crazy. <laughs> so so I just want the money, but um, I don't have any goals of being like, the best poker player in the world or the most bracelets or anything like that. And you don't need to be. It's just like, I just need to be better than most people. And you're living your life and it's making you happy. Like I said, you figured That's it out. What... You figured it out. You, you There's a, a cheat code and you found it and punched it in. All my coaching, mediocre poker coaching, because everybody seems to be deluded about their skills. And what I figured out is exactly what you just said. I don't even have to be good at the game to beat the people I'm playing against. Like mediocre, I'm probably one of the top regs on Bovada, and I'm not even good like that. And so as long as I can find people worse than me, that'll whittle and pay me, play me for a decent, decent amount of money, then I almost prefer to play mediocre poker because that way I'm – I have a big edge on my competition as opposed to like, you know, two world-class heads up guys playing against each other for like my new edges. And just my, my only person getting rich is like whoever's raking the game. Right. And so like, nah, I want to play against people who I have big, clearly identifiable edges, identifiable, uh, identifiable edges against. Yeah. Say, man, you're doing the right thing. Do you do a lot of podcasts? I like I said, I found you on that one years ago. Do you? I do infinite podcasts. Do you? Oh man, I, I've probably been on like ten podcasts, ten different, ten different podcasts, and probably if I had to guess, probably like thirty episodes. Dang, I should have asked you beforehand. Like. <laughs> How sick and tired are you talking about this? We could have just talked something else the entire time. <laughs> no, I don't usually talk about rap on my podcast appearances. Um, mostly poker podcasts. So I've been on Thinking Poker with Andrew Brokers. That's where most people probably know me from. Um, Heads Up Poker. Well, um, Thinking Poker with Andrew Brokers and Nate Mavis. Uh, you know, let me just say the name of these podcasts because I'm not going to remember all the hosts. Thinking Poker, Heads Up Poker, uh, Just Hands, I think it was called, um, The Mindset Advantage, uh, Post Flop Poker, uh, that's five. Oh, TPE Live, that's six. There's probably some more I'm forgetting. Yeah. 
but 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 I've been on a lot of different um podcast episodes, but I I enjoy talking about two things poker and hip hop. Nice. So <laughs> yeah. So anytime like those conversations come up or money in general, um that that I, I enjoy. Like people always say, like, oh man, like you're so friendly on like these podcasts, and I know you're from Twitch, and like, but then a lot of times they meet me in person, I'm not as outgoing. I'm really kind of an introvert. And I was like, I'm not the type of person that's gonna talk to you in line at Walmart. But if we're talking about topics that I'm interested in, then yeah, I wanna talk about those, but just like small talk. Like that kind of stuff, I'm just not. I don't. I can't do small talk. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely like the mean guy in line at Walmart. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I don't do the yeah. small talk thing. I'm very introverted. But yeah, when yeah. you have yeah microphone and camera, it's just easier just to yeah. know, like to come out of your shell, I guess. And yeah, yeah, like you were saying, when you get something that lights that fire in you, it's super easy to be all smiley and personable. And yeah, what's up? Because you're talking about something you love. Yeah yeah for sure yeah well i man well how did i do i'm fairly new at podcasting i've been doing it for a little bit and you're like the pro how would you rate this podcast to uh, some of the poker ones you've been on i will say that it's on par with um a lot of the poker ones only thing i will say this is something that i hate in podcasts um and and i don't think you did it today but like as a listener, because I, I know how to defeat it as a as a guest. But as a listener, when I'm listening to a podcast host ask a question, and the question, like if it was written down, it would be like a literal paragraph. That just makes my skin crawl. Oh, I don't it's do that. Like, I don't do that. Yeah, so you, you don't do that. Yeah. But it's like, I'll listen, they'll ask a question, and the guy is waiting for a moment to jump in there and answer. But the question just keeps going on and on. it's almost like they give you a question and they are suggesting answers for you and like they're creating a multiple choice test. It's like, oh, so how did you get into poker? Like, did your family start off with poker? Like a lot of people start playing with their parents. Did you play with your parents? Oh, did gee, you play yeah, in college? Okay. Don't they like just ask the question and then stop talking so they can answer it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's my biggest pet peeve about podcasts. And um you didn't do that so that that's a um, a plus in my book hell yeah yeah the thing you see here the notebook this was me writing down what you said for later i gotta I, I check out the macho man rap and uh ransom um yeah oh cool yeah yeah my podcast is basically do you do you do you listen to many podcasts outside of poker ones not really the ones that i have listened to are ones that don't really have guests it's like stories so like malcolm gladwell has one called revisionist history yeah yeah yeah. that's a great one yeah um the one that i'm that i was most into recently was called um atlanta monster um that one was about a serial killer that was in atlanta shortly after i was born and I knew about the story because I came, I was from Atlanta, but most people don't know about this story. And so um, 
I think it's cool that this guy's doing a podcast on it and kind of like opening up this um or making people aware of this um pretty insane story that didn't really affect me but affected like older cousins and and my parents and you know people from uh, around the Atlanta area. So that that one Atlanta Monster Revisionist History. Sometimes I listen to Toratio. He has some guests. Um, in fact, I started listening to it because he interviewed David Williams one time about poker. But then he interviewed, but he was also interviewing some rappers, and so that kind of got me interested in his podcast. But no, like like the big ones, I've really never seen or heard. Like um, Joe Rogan, like I've heard so many good things about it, but never really listened to it. Um, what's the one? He had Ike Haxon once. Did he? Yeah. Okay, Isaac, I might have to check that out. Is it Isaac Haxon? Ike, whatever that. Then he goes by both. Yeah. He um, was on Tim, Tim, Tim Ferriss, who I love his um books, but I never really listened to his podcast. And WTF is one that um Andrew recommended because he's into like comedians. That's a comedian podcast. So yeah, I've I've heard recommendations for the big ones mm-hmm. but i almost rather listen to the poker ones so i don't have enough time to listen to the other ones also i get it man that's what you love like i said I, that's where i first found out about you i i love all kinds of podcasts and i used to listen to a ton of poker podcasts and uh i don't play a ton these days so i don't listen to a bunch of the poker podcasts right now uh, but i'm sure i'll get back into all that stuff but i'm but what I was my so like yeah my podcast is basically I'm like a poor man's Joe Rogan that's kind of how I gotcha. describe my podcast it's just yeah I just want I want to have cool people on and I do the I do the podcast selfishly so I can talk to people that I want to talk to <laughs> and like I'd never get an opportunity to talk to you if I didn't have like a cool podcast like this and I've like truthfully have been interested in you for a long time and now that I got this going I appreciate you coming on man this was really cool for me and uh, I, I, yeah, this is this is this was awesome for me. And I appreciate you coming on here. Anytime, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. Yeah, it. yeah. That's like I said. I have. I, it's not poker. It's just hanging out, talking. Like I would, I would definitely do this again sometime if you wanted to. We can get more more hip hop involved too. Like I that's just definitely I more hip hop. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I didn't know if you. I should have asked you. I I meant to ask you beforehand if you were like sick of talking about the van lifestyle because you probably talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, I do, but I'm not really sick of it because that that's like my calling card in poker, which is pretty funny because Andrew and I went out in Vegas this summer to watch the finals at one of his um friends that a couple of guys that he knows from playing um poker had a house in Vegas and they were going to watch the finals. And so we went over and it was kind of like a little bit of a party. And Andrew's introducing me to these guys and they're like, oh, what's up, what's up? Just like, you know, normal meeting people. And then in the course of conversation, the van comes up. And they're like, oh, you the van? You the van guy? Is the van here? Then they started rushing to the door. They wanted to go see the van. I'm thinking this fucking van is way more popular than I am. (laughs) And so, like, they were all just, like, normal until they knew I was the van guy. And then they got excited and wanted to go meet the fucking Nitmobile. Uh, so, 
I don't know. I think that's I think that's pretty funny. Um, but no, I don't I don't get tired of talking about it. Like I said, it's the best decision I ever made. And the more seeds I'll put in the minds of other people, and then maybe they'll do something similar. And I think that would be good if uh, more people consider this an option. I'm funny. I, I'm kind of in the market for a van myself. I, uh, I'm a bow hunter and mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, I have a pickup truck and it doesn't hold, you would think it would hold just everything I need. It, it doesn't hold everything I need. And I think a van would, and then I could also sleep in it. And so I'm wanting to trade my truck for a van. Um, and you said yours was like two, around two grand is what you yeah. said. Yeah. How's it drives? Like it's, like how many miles did it have on when you bought it? Or how, how many does it have on? Usually when I buy vehicles, they're gonna have a little bit over a hundred thousand miles on it. And so that's why I get them so cheap. And I also look for like cosmetic damage, because that means nothing to me. Right. But it saves me money. So if I can find something with a dented up hood, I definitely I'm definitely interested in it. <laughs> um, but mechanically they've been fine like um i drive back and forth across the country like non-stop like probably um two or three times a year i drive from um vegas to atlanta and the and this is in like 10 year old vans with a hundred thousand miles on it so i haven't had any problems so far the first van well i say that but again this is like my perspective growing up I always had old cars. So it was it's normal for me to buy a car. At that time I was probably buying them for like 500 bucks. And then the thing would break down like a year later. That was normal for me. So now these vans have been lasting like maybe 2 years, two and a half years on average. That's good to me. But if that's maybe that's not normal for most people. So when I say these I've been able to find good vehicles at that price. What I'm saying is I've been able to find vehicles that last more than two years, but probably not three. So uh, yeah, but that's no, my perspective. If you don't look at at years and look at at miles, because you're you're putting in some miles on yep. this thing. That's pretty yep. good. I mean, how many how many miles is the van you're in right this second? How many miles you got on that bad boy? Let's see. Oh, if I have to make you do stuff, I'm not gonna. Yeah, make yeah. I don't see my key. What oh, the hell is my key? I, do need, I need to find my damn key though. Right, why I is mean, my key not in the ignition? But yeah, anyway, well, yeah. Why is um, it in the ignition? What do you do? You with know it? what? You know what? I can look on this thing. Uh, so my next oil uh, change needs to be at 128. Oh, that's it. So that means I got a change probably at 125. And I did that in San Diego, which is probably a thousand miles from here. So I'm guessing somewhere around 126,000. Oh, and when that's... I bought this, when I bought this van, like this time last year, um, it had um, like a hundred thousand on it. So I put 20, 25,000 miles on this van in the year that I've had it. And I actually didn't even drive as much this year as I normally do. Um, I'm usually looking at between 30, 30 to 35, maybe even like 40,000 miles a year. So yeah, 
two years of that will kill uh, an older van. But so far, so good on this one. Nice. The other one actually still worked, but I can tell it was in the process of dying. And so once it got bad, I decided I don't want to try to drive that one across the country. And so that's why I bought this one so I can get home for Thanksgiving last year, which I'll be doing again in a couple of months. What did you do with your old one? Did you trade it in or sell it or give it away? Um, we'll say I gave it away. <laughs> uh, what happened is that it's kind of a gray area, but in my mind, it got stolen from me. Um, so, you know what? This is helping me with the timeline now because this was a year ago and I just moved out with Alex. So, yeah, so Alex and I, I guess it was around September last year. So um, when I left, when Alex moved to New Jersey and I moved out of the house and I went to that cheap hotel um, outside of um, Vegas, um, I had my old van, which was dying. And I just bought this one so I can drive across the country. But when it was time to drive across the country, I couldn't just leave that old van at the hotel until I got back two, three months later. So I was just gonna sell it to the junkyard and get like $300 for it, um, which is what they will sell you just for like crushing it and using the metal. But the lady who worked at the front desk in the hotel asked me if she could buy it. And I was like, yeah, I'll sell it to you. Um, that, But I told her it's in bad shape and I wouldn't try to drive it too far, but if you're just getting around town, Back and forth to work is fine. And I'll, I'll, I'll sell it to you for $300, the same price I was going to give it to the junkyard for. But she couldn't afford the $300. And so what I said was, I'll tell you what. You keep the van, because I can't leave it parked here for two months. But if I give it to you and you drive it back and forth to work every day, then, like, you know, I'm not being, like, responsible for, like, leaving it parked on some private property so i was like I'm, i'll basically let you borrow the van for two months and uh when i get back um basically i'm gonna give you like a two-month test drive <laughs> nice. slash slash time to like save up 300 dollars to buy it and then when i get back if you decide that you don't want it then i'll just sell it to the junkyard and if you decide you do want it then you just pay me the 300 and keep it so that was a plan. Uh, when I got back, uh, well, actually, like about, about a month into it, she called me and told me that she got pulled over and that the um, van was impounded um, because it was not her van. Um, but after that, I never heard from her again. So she never told me where it was impounded. And when I went back to the hotel, she didn't work there anymore. And in fact, her her husband was on dialysis or something. And she was telling me that she was, like I met her husband and I met her son and she wanted to drive to North Carolina. I mean, I'm sorry, North California from the Vegas area. And I told her, I don't I wouldn't try to drive this van that far. Like, I don't know if it will make it that far. So I told her, don't do that. I can't be responsible for that. And um, 
once she told me it got impounded and then I lost contact with her and she never told me where it got impounded or how I can get it back. In my mind, I assume she just drove it to North to, to she just drove the van to um, North California and stopped responding to my calls and messages. But the last message I got from her said it was impounded. So I was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because if it was impounded and it was sitting in the impound for like a month, then the price to get it out is going to be more expensive than what it is worth anyway. I'm not going to pay shit. It's probably like $600 now. I'm not going to pay $600 to get a van out of impound just so I can sell it to the junkyard for $300. So if it is an impound, if I wanted to, I could call around to all the police departments in the area and find out where it is. And then they may force me to get it out. So either it's this, either the original Nitmobile is in some impound somewhere or it's in North Carolina, I mean, North California, because this lady stole it and lied. Or she stole it and lied, and it's somewhere in South Southern California because it blew up along the way because it wouldn't make it that far. Like, I, I told her it was going to be like um, Breaking Bad when they got stranded in the desert. Right. I, I was like, yeah, that's what it's going to be like if you try to drive this van that far. But I don't know. In my mind, it was stolen, <laughs> uh, but it could just be in an impound somewhere. I don't know. It got stolen. It, yeah, yeah, it's stolen. Yeah, it, to me, is like if you're not going to, so you tell me my van gets impounded, and I ask you, okay, so where is it? Do you have any paperwork on this? Like they just impound my van and they don't get in touch with me. Like that's kind of weird. And then she just stopped responding after that. So yeah. In my mind, I gave it to it like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm thinking like, okay, so she stole a $300 van from me. She needed it more than I did, apparently. So I'm not even mad about it. I didn't call the police or anything. I was like, you know what? In a way, she kind of did me a favor because now I don't have to worry about, you know, juggling two vehicles. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah. 300 bucks could have been a lot worse. I mean, that's not that big of a deal all in all. And you were helping someone out. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, I, in my mind, it was like, it's a slash between getting a van stolen from me and giving somebody a van. You were and helping her out. I mean, you were being I, super I, nice, you know? I was helping her out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I was nice enough to let somebody borrow a van for two months and then they decided to steal it, which I'm okay with that too. Who cares? Yeah. She she at the end of the day, out. yeah, I, I got this thing. I'm just gonna keep it. It's mine now. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I still get to do what the hell I want to do with my life, and so it's hard for me to be mad about anything uh, when I get to um, play poker every single day. Damn, bro, what a way that—that's the way to end. That's the way we need to go out. No matter what happens to you, if you're living the life you want to live, that—that's what's most important. Yeah, and, and my message to everybody is to experiment and find out how little, like what's the least amount you can, amount of things, money, space, whatever. What's the least amount you can live with and be happy and just find that norm and just always be willing to go there. Then like that just gives you so much flexibility. It's like, I think we're, we're going the wrong direction. 
everybody's trying to figure out how to get more and more and more. It's like figure out how to get less, less, less and be happy. And then at that point, you're invincible. Like I'm fucking recession proof. I think you're right. I think the more you have, the less you can do. Yeah. It's like a ball and chain. Yeah. Ball and chain. Yeah. Because I wasn't happy, man. I was living the American dream. I had this middle class job. I had this four bedroom, two and a half bath house. I had everything I was supposed to want and it didn't make me happy. And I and I tell people I didn't become oh and I had a girlfriend at the time and we broke up. And so she wasn't I about tell, that van life. <laughs> no, the van life came after her. Um uh, uh I I tell people that I didn't become happy until I became homeless, jobless, and alone. Though wow. though that that was my homeless, jobless, and alone was my like goals in life and i finally made it i could i couldn't be happier for you you see i bet yeah. a lot of i bet a lot of people look at you when you say that and they're like what the fuck it sounds crazy yeah but i love it, sounds, it. i think it's amazing yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled for you that's amazing dude i'm really happy for you I, I've, I've i've met like i'm friends with some guys i don't know i don't know what the exact definition of millionaire is but I'm friends with some people who I would consider millionaires who are jealous of me, which blows my mind. Bill fucking Perkins, who is who I think is a billionaire, was tweeting the other day about wishing he could live in a van. <laughs> and I thought that was, I, I tweeted him back. I was like, sorry, bro, better luck next lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. Freedom, freedom is, uh, freedom is cool. And you got it. That's what this that's what this world's all about. If yep. you can make it happen, do it. <clears throat> well again, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being here <clears throat> and uh just, just taking the time and more importantly taking the battery, your battery life, man. What am I doing? Yeah. You're, I mean you're yeah. doing it from your van right now. For those that aren't watching, he's I mean, he's been in his van the entire time. It's it's been awesome. Yep. Yep. Uh is there any last thing you'd like to say or anything you want to uh pimp? Um, I will say if you are interested in getting better at poker, you should check out tournamentpokeredge.com. And if you, that's going to give you like videos and articles and podcasts that can um, help you get better with poker. And if you need individual help, you can uh, contact me for um, uh, poker coaching at mediocre poker coaching dot com that's a great one more time mediocre poker coaching.com yep what a great name that's that's funny mediocre poker player that's great that's all you got to do to be profitable just be and my, <laughs> my 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 tagline is um damn did i forget it um you can't forget your tagline man yeah th this is actually probably <laughs> way too long to be a tagline but it's something to the effect of teach a man to uh, feed, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime, unless he tries to get, unless he tries to swim with sharks. So <laughs> nice, nice little ad addition to that. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, I can teach you how to fish, meaning beat bad players. But if you take this shit that I tell you and try to play against 
good players, they will eat your ass alive. So don't try to play against sharks. Beat up on fish all day like I do. That's right. Play up. Go fishing in the small pond. Don't go fishing in the ocean. Exactly. Exactly. Know, maybe there's something there. Uh, again, man, thanks again. Uh, I will have this. Uh, I'll let you know when I get this posted. And uh, good luck to you at the poker tables and on your gas mileage. Okay. Thank you, man. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Peace. Neander talks.